Hello and welcome back to Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Now that we've completed Shakespeare and Chekhov's canons, our troupe of professional and amateur theater lovers together is taking on great works across mediums. So from Aaron Sorkin to indie playwrights, Valentine's rom-coms, French classics, Greek tragedies, so much more. We've got everything coming up for you. So Shaw, Stoppard, Moliere, Efron, and so much more coming down the pike. So for you to enjoy in audio form here on our podcast feed, or if you want to catch all of our costumes, props, effects, and unplanned pet appearances, um, all of our readings are also available on our YouTube channel. Just search My Entertainment World and you'll see it there. Um, please keep in mind that these are genuinely cold readings. We're publishing unedited, so bear with us through some stumbles, tangents, and of course, every time someone's accidentally on mute. Um, that happens all the time. Sometimes people don't show up. You just got to bear with us. Uh, so to make sure you don't miss any of our content, be sure to subscribe on YouTube or on our podcast feed where you'll find episodes of all our favorite ongoing series, including this one, of course, as well as the Shakespeare series, the favorite series, Corona Movie Club, exclusive interviews, as well as our annual MLB roundtable discussion, which is my very favorite thing we do. So follow us on social media at MyEntWorld, my E-N-T world. Um, and of course, check out the website, MyEntertainmentWorld.ca, where you can find all of the above, as well as reviews, editorials, artist spotlights, and so much more. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the show. So for our one-year anniversary of Corona Cold Reads, what we decided to do was return to the thing that brought us together in the first place, which was Shakespeare. Um, so we did one month. At this point, what we were doing was seasons. So we were doing four weeks this, four weeks that. We did Valentine season, Sorkin season, that kind of thing. Um, and so everything was organized into little four-week chunks. And what we decided to do for March, which was our anniversary month, was to do Shakespeare and return to some of our favorite scripts. Uh, that we had done very early in the original process of Corona Cold Reads and for whatever reason just felt the need to return to. Um, what happened was we I didn't when I was originally programming this I didn't know how long we'd be going so I sort of front-loaded a lot I put a lot of the greatest scripts my favorite scripts right at the beginning um, and as a result we by the time the group really sort of came together and we had this core group um, come and really solidify but also one, I realized how best to cast people when we started really figuring out our tech, when we started to really understand how to incorporate props and costumes and interact with each other through Zoom. Um, that all came later. So, you know, Mary Wives of Windsor turned out fantastic, but we all of the really great scripts had happened very early on when we were still figuring ourselves out. So... Uh, in returning for our anniversary season, we picked four scripts that, for a couple different reasons, were things that we wanted to revisit. Um, whether they had a lot of guest stars who didn't remain in the troupe, or we had uh, tech issues, or just lots of different reasons. One of them was on my birthday, so we had this like weird um, giant cast for it, and we didn't we didn't broadcast, so we decided to return to that one. Um, but the first one, of course, that we returned to was Romeo and Juliet. Uh, because it's Romeo and Juliet. It's iconic. It is the Shakespeare play. So why not start there? If you're going to start anywhere, start there. Um, it's also one of my very favorites. It's, I think, my second or maybe third favorite play in the canon. Um, it means a lot to me. A lot of the people in this troupe came together on a production of Romeo and Juliet back in college. So it's just really close to my heart, and I wanted to revisit it. Um, so we've got some fun casting on this one. This is uh, another entry, a classic entry in the Christopher Prentice Disapproving Fathers uh, canon. 
Um, this is Capulet, who's one of my very favorite uh, disapproving fathers because I think he's really rich and complex. And uh, the more humanity you bring to the character of Paris, who's very important to me, the more that the complexity of Lord Capulet and Lady Capulet and the nurse and everyone else sort of comes to the forefront. Um, so that's Chris. I've also cast Mark Crater as Paris coming off of 10 Things I Hate About You. I was very high on Mark. So I was like, you can have the most important, what I think of as the most important role in this play that no one else thinks is the most important role in this play. Um, our Juliet is Elizabeth Ramirez, who is just, she's got this like really lovely sort of intelligent vulnerability um, which I think is a really important mixture for Juliet. And she's just, she's a lovely ingenue. And she, um, I just think she unlocks Juliet in a really cool way. And her Romeo is Laura Hubbard, who is, you know, one of, one of Corona Cold Reed's sort of great poetic souls. Um, and she's also got this sort of like intensity and, and level of feeling that I think works really beautifully for Romeo. I also love a female Romeo. Um, I just think, I think it works really, really beautifully with the rest of the play and some of the conflict in the play. A female Romeo really jives for me. Uh, so that was sort of the main, that's the, the, the core casting. We also have some really fun, um, Tori Urquhart is our Tybalt. And like, if you know Tori, she's like this fiery, intense, extremely passionate person. Uh, and Tybalt just giving that intensity. And again, I like a female Tybalt a lot. Um, so giving that intensity to Tybalt really worked for me. And of course we've got Loren Hereda as Mercutio and Loren Hereda. You've heard me talk about Loren. I mean, I can't, I, she's the greatest I, <laughs> I go on and on and on and on about her all the time if you go back to our Shakespeare ones um hear me talk about her on Othello or on two two noble kinsmen or whatever she's she's honestly one of my favorite actors in the whole world and so having her play Mercutio was a real treat um let's see who else was oh Benvolio Fabiana Cabral is just such a wonderful Benvolio um, she's close to a Romeo and Juliet, so that was that's a helpful dynamic to bring in the real life uh, closeness there. Um, she's also just like such a loyal, steady, awesome person. Uh, so she has a really cool. She brings she brings a lot to Benvolio um, and Nicole Falgu is our nurse. Who um, Nicole's just this, the most loving person in the whole world. So it, she's just such a lovely a lovely nurse. So. Um, yeah, I think I, I hope you enjoy this one. It was really nice to revisit Romeo and Juliet, which I think gets richer every time you hear it. Two households, both alike in dignity. In fair Verona, where we lay our scene. From ancient grudge break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life, whose misadventured piteous overthrows doth with their death bury their parents' strife. The fearful passage of their death-marked love and the continuance of their parents' rage, which but their children's end not could remove, is now the two hours traffic of our stage. The which, if you with patient ears attend, what here shall miss, our toil shall strive to mend. Scene one, Verona, a public place. Enter Samson and Gregory of the House of Capulet armed with swords and bucklers. Gregory, oh my word, will not carry coals. No, for then we should be colliers. I mean, and we being collars will draw. 
I, while you live, draw your neck out of the collar. I strike quickly, being moved. But thou art not quickly moved to strike. A dog of the house of Montague mews me. To move is to stir, and to be valiant is to stand. Therefore, if thou art moved, thou runst away. A dog of that house shall move me to stand. I will take the wall of any man or maid of Montague's. That shows thee a weak slave, for the weakest goes to the wall. True, and therefore women, being the weaker vessels, are ever thrust to the wall. Therefore, I will push Montague's men from the wall and thrust his maids to the wall. The quarrel is between our masters and us their men. Tis one all. I will show myself a tyrant. When I have fought all the men, I will be cruel with the maids and cut off their heads. The heads of the maids? Aye, the heads of the maids or their maiden heads. Take it in what sense thou wilt. (laughs) Thou must take it in sense that feel it. Me, they shall feel while I am able to stand, and tis known I am a pretty piece of flesh. Tis well thou art not fish. If thou hadst, thou hadst been poor John. Draw thy tool. Here comes two of the house of Montagues. My naked weapon is out. Quarrel, I will back thee. How? Turn thy back and run? Fear me not. No, Mary, I fear thee. Let us take the law of our sides. Let them begin. I will frown as I pass by and let them take it as they list. Nay, as they dare. I will bite my thumb at them, which is a disgrace to them if they bear it. Enter Abraham and Balthazar. Do you bite your thumb at us, sir? I do bite my thumb, sir. (laughs) Do you bite your thumb at us, sir? Is it the law of our side if I say I? No. No, sir. I do not bite my thumb at you, sir, but I bite my thumb, sir. Do you quarrel, sir? Quarrel, sir? No, sir. If you do, sir, I am for you. I serve as good a man as you. No better. Well, sir... Say better. Here comes one of my master's kinsmen. Yes, better, sir. You lie. Draw, if you be men. Gregory, remember thy swashing blow. They fight. Enter Benvolio. Part fools, put up your swords. You know not what you do. Eats down their swords. Enter Tybalt. What, art thou drawn among these heartless hinds? Turn thee, Benvolio, look upon thy death. I do but keep the peace. Put up thy sword or manage it to part these men with me. What, drawn in talk of peace? I hate the word as I hate hell, all Montagues and thee. Have at thee, coward. They fight, enter several of both houses who join the fray, then enter citizens with clubs. Clubs, bills, and partisans, strike, beat them down. Down with the Capulets, down with the Montagues. Enter Capulet in his gown and Lady Capulet. What noise is this? Give me my longsword, ho. A crutch, a crutch. Why call you for a sword? My sword, I say. Old Montague has come and flourishes blade in spite of me. Enter Montague and Lady Montague. Thou villain Capulet, 
Hold me not, let me go. Thou shalt not stir a foot to seek a foe. Enter prince with attendants. Rebellious subjects, enemies to peace. Profaners of this neighbor stain it still. Will they not hear? What ho? You men, you beasts that quench the fire of your pernicious rage with purple fountains issuing from your veins on pain of torture. From those bloody hands, throw your mistempered weapons to the ground and hear the sentence of your moved prince. Three civil brawls, bred of an airy word, by thee, old Capulet, and Montague, have thrice disturbed the quiet of our streets and made Verona's ancient citizens cast by their grave beseeming ornaments to wield old partisans in hands as old, cankered with peace, to part your cankered hate. If ever you disturb our streets again, your lives shall pay the forfeit of the peace. For this time all the rest depart away. You, Capulet, shall go along with me. And Montague, come you this afternoon to know our further pleasure in this case. To old Freetown, our common judgment place. Once more, on pain of death, all men depart. Exunt all but Montague, Lady Montague, and Benvolio. Who set this ancient quarrel new abroach? Speak, nephew. Were you by when it began? Here were the servants of your adversary and yours, close fighting ere I did approach. I drew to part them. In the instant came the fiery Tybalt with his sword prepared, which, as he breathed defiance to my ears, he swung about his head and cut the winds, who nothing hurt withal hissed him in scorn. While we were interchanging thrusts and blows, came more and more and fought on part and part, till the prince came, who parted either part. Well, where is Romeo? Saw you him today? Right glad I am he, is, he was not at this fray. Madam, an hour before the worshipped sun peered forth the golden window of the east, a troubled mind drave me to walk abroad, where underneath the grove of sycamore that westward rooteth from the city's side, so early walking did I see your son. Towards him I made, but he was ware of me and stole into the covert of the wood. I, measuring his affections by my own, that most are busied when they are most alone, pursued my humor not pursuing his, and gladly shunned who gadfly fled from me. Many a morning hath he there been seen with tears augmenting the fresh morning dew, adding to clouds more clouds with his deep sighs. But all too soon, all so soon as the all-cheering sun should in the furthest east begin to draw the shady curtains from Aurora's bed, away from the light steals home my heavy sun, and private in his chamber pens himself, shuts up his windows, locks far daylight out, and makes himself an artificial night. Black and portentous must this humor prove, unless good counsel may the cause remove. My noble uncle, do you know the cause? I neither know it nor can learn of him. Have you importuned him by any means? Both by myself and many other friends. But he, his own affections counselor, is to himself. I will not say how true, but to himself so secret and so close, so far from sounding and discovery as is the bud bit with an envious worm ere he can spread his sweet leaves to the air or dedicate his beauty to the sun. 
could we but learn from whence his sorrows grow, we would as willingly give cure as no. Enter Romeo. See where he comes. So please you, step aside. I'll know his grievance or be much denied. I would thou wert so happy by thy stay to hear true shrift. Come, madam, let's away. Exunt Montague and Lady Montague. Good morrow, cousin. Is the day so young? But news struck nine. Ay me, sad hours seem long. Was that my father that went hence so fast? It was. What sadness lengthens Romeo's hours? Not having that which having makes them short. In love? Out. Of love? Out of her favor, but I am in love. Alas, that love so gentle in his view should be so tyrannous and rough in proof. Alas, that love whose view is muffled still should without eyes see pathway to his will. Where shall we dine? I mean, what fray was here? Yet tell me not, I have heard it all. Here's much to do with hate, but more with love. Why then, oh, brawling love, oh, loving hate, oh, anything of nothing first create, oh, heavy lightness, serious vanity, misshap and chaos of well-seeming forms, feather of lead, bright smoke, cold fire, sick health, still waking sleep, that is not what it is. This love feel I that feel no love in this. Dost thou not laugh? No, cause I rather weep. Good heart, at what? At thy good heart's oppression. Why, such is love's transgression. Griefs of mine own lie heavy in my breast, which thou wilt propagate to have it pressed with more of thine. This love that thou hast shown doth add more grief to too much of mine own. Love is a smoke raised with the fume of sighs, being purged of fire sparkling in lovers' eyes, being vexed a sea nourished with lovers' tears. What is it else? A madness, most discreet, a choking gall and a preserving sweet. Farewell, my cuz. Soft, I will go along, and if you leave me so, you do me wrong. Tut, I have lost myself. I am not here. This is not Romeo. He's some other where. Tell me in sadness, who is that you love? What shall I groan and tell thee? Groan? Why, why no, but, but sadly tell me who. Bid a sick man in sadness make his will a word ill urged to one that is so ill. In sadness, cousin, I do love a woman. I aimed so near when I supposed you loved. A right good mark, man. And she's fair, I love. A right fair mark, fair cuz, is soonest hit. Well, in that hit you miss. She'll not be hit. With Cupid's arrow she hath Diane's wit, and in strong proof of chastity well armed from love's weak childish bow, she lives unharmed. She will not stay the seat of loving terms, nor bide the encounter of assailing eyes, nor ope her lap to saints seducing gold. Oh, she is rich in beauty, only poor that when she dies with beauty dies her store. Then she hath sworn that she will still live chaste? She hath, and in that sparing makes huge waste for beauty's 
starved with her severity, cuts beauty off from all posterity. She is too fair, too wise, wisely too fair, to merit bliss by making me despair. She hath forsworn to love, and in that thou do I live dead to tell it now. Be ruled by me. Forget to think of her. Well, teach me that I should forget to think. By giving liberty unto thine eyes. Examine other beauties. Tis the way to call hers exquisite and question more. These happy masks that kiss fair ladies' brows being black put us in mind, they hide the fair. He that is struck and blind cannot forget the precious treasure of his eyesight lost. Show me a mistress that is passing fair. What doth her beauty serve but as a note where I may read who's past that passing fair? Farewell, thou canst not teach me to forget. I'll pay that doctrine or else die in debt. Exempt. Scene two, a street, enter Capulet, Paris, and servant. But Montague is bound as well as I in penalty alike. And tis not hard, I think, for men so old as we to keep the peace. Of honorable reckoning are you both, and, and pity tis you lived at odds so long. But now, my lord, <clears throat> uh, what say you to my suit? But saying o'er what I have said before, my child is yet a stranger in the world. She hath not seen the change of fourteen years. Let two more summers wither in their pride, ere we may think her ripe to be a bride. Younger? Then she, our happy mother's maid. And too soon marred are those so early made. The earth hath swallowed up all my hopes, but she, she is the hopeful lady of my earth. But woo her, gentle Paris, get her heart. My will to her consent is but a part. And she agree, within her scope of choice, lies my consent and fair according voice. This night I hold an old accustomed feast, whereto I have invited many a guest, such as I love, and you, among the store, one more most welcome, makes my number more. At my poor house look to behold this night earth-treading stars that make dark heaven light, such comfort as do lusty young men feel when well-appareled April on the heel of limping winter treads. Even such delight among fresh female buds shall you this night inherit at my house. Hear all, all see, and like her most, whose merit most shall be, which on more view of many mine being one may stand in number, though in reckoning none. Come, go with me. The servant giving her paper. Oh, go, Sarah. Trudge about through fair Verona. Find these persons out whose names are written there, and to them say, My house and welcome on their pleasure stay. Exit Capulet in Paris. Find them out whose names are written here. It is written that the shoemaker should meddle with his yard, and the tailor with his last, the fisher with his pencil, and the painter with his nets. But I am sent to find those persons whose names are here writ, and can never find what names the writing person hath writ here writ. I must have learned in good time. Under Benvolio and Romeo. Hut man, one fire burns out another's burning. One pain is lessened by another's anguish. 
turn giddy and be hope by backward turning. One desperate grief cures with another's languish. Take thou some new infection to thy eye and the rank poison of the old will die. Your plantain leaf is excellent for that. For what, I pray thee? For your broken chin. Why, Romeo, art thou mad? Not mad, but bound more than a madman is. Shut up in prison, kept without my food, whipped and tormented in... Good den? Good fellow. Oh, God, good, good den. I, I pray, sir. Can you read? I, mine own fortune in my misery. Perhaps you have learned it without book, but I pray, can you read anything you see? I, if I know the letters and the language. You say honestly, rest you merry. Stay, fellow, I can read. <sighs> Senor Martino and his wife and daughters, Count Anselme and his beauteous sisters, the lady widow of Vitavio, Senor Placentio, and his lovely nieces, Mercutio, and his brother Valentine, my fair niece Rosaline. Livia, Signor Valentino, and his cousin Tybalt, Lucio, and the lively Helena. A fair assembly. Where should they come? Up. Whither? To supper. To, to our house. To whose house? My master's. Indeed, I should have asked you that before. Now I'll tell you without asking. My master is the great rich Capulet, and if you be not of the house of Montagues, I pray come and crush a cup of wine. Rest you merry. Exit. <laughs> At this same ancient feast of Capulet sups the fair Rosaline, whom thou so lovest, with all the admired beauties of Verona. Go thither, and with unattainted eye, compare her face with some that I shall show, and I will make thee think thy swan a crow. When the devout religion of mine eye maintains such falsehood that turn tears to fires, and these who often drowned can never die, transparent heretics, be burnt for liars. One fairer than my love, the all-seeing sun ne'er saw her match since first the world begun. Tut. You saw her fair, none else being by, herself poised with herself in either eye. But in that crystal scales, let there be weighed your lady's love against some other maid that I will show you shining at this feast. And she shall scant show well that now shows best. I'll go along. No such sight, no such sight to be shown, but to rejoice in splendor of mine own. Exit. Scene three, a room in Capulet's house. Enter Capulet and Nurse. Nurse? Nurse, where's my daughter? Call her forth to me. Now by my maidenhead at 12 years old, I bade her come. What lamb? What ladybird? God forbid, where's this girl? What, Juliet? Enter Juliet. Oh no, who calls? Your mother. Madam, I am here. Uh, what is your will? This is the matter. Nurse, give leave a while. We must talk in secret. Nurse, come, uh, come back again. I have remembered me. Thou's here our counsel. Thou knowest my daughter's of a pretty age. Faith, I can tell her age unto an hour. She's not 14. 
I'll lay 14 of my teeth. And yet to my teeth be it spoken, I have but four. She is not 14. How long is it now to Lammas Tide? A fortnight and odd days. Even or odd of all days of the year, come Lammas Eve at night shall she be 14. Susan and she, God rest all Christian souls, were of an age. Well, Susan is with God. She was too good for me. But as I said, on Lammas Eve at night shall she be 14. That shall she marry, I remember it well. Tis since the earthquake now 11 years. And she was weaned. I never shall forget it. Of all the days of the year upon that day, for I had then laid a wormwood to my dug, sitting in the sun under the dove house wall. My lord and you were then at Mantua. Nay, I do bear a brain. But as I said, when it did taste the warm, warm wood on the nipple of my dug, and it felt better, pretty fool, to see it tetchy and fall out with the dug. Shake, quoth the dove house. Twas no need, I trowed, to bid me trudge. <laughs> ah, and since that time, it is 11 years. For then she could stand alone, and by the root, she could have run and waddled all about. For even the day before, she broke her brow. And then my husband, God be with his soul. Ah, twas a merry man. <laughs> took up the child yea quoth he just thou fall upon thy face thou wilt fall backward when thou hast more wit wilt thou not jewel and by my holiday the pretty wretch left crying and said i <laughs> to see it now how a jest shall come about i warrant and i should live a thousand years i never should forget Wilt thou not jewel, quoth he, and the pretty, pretty fool, it stinted and said, I. <laughs> Enough of this, I pray thee. Hold thy peace. Yes, madam. Yet I cannot choose but laugh and to think it should leave crying and say, I. <laughs> and yet, I warrant, it had upon its brow a bump as big as a young cockerel's stone, a parlous knock, and it cried bitterly. Yea, quoth my husband false thou upon thy face thou wilt fall backward when thou come stage wilt thou not jewel it stinted and said i and stint thou too nurse i pray thee nurse say i peace i have done god mark me to his grace thou wast the prettiest babe that e'er i nursed and i might live to see thee married once i have my wish Mary, that Mary is the very theme I came to talk of. Tell me, daughter Juliet, how stands your disposition to be married? It is an honor I dream not of. An honor? <sighs> Were not I thy only nurse, I would say thou hadst sucked wisdom from thy teat. Well, think of marriage now. Younger than you, here in Verona, ladies of esteem are made already mothers. By my count, I was your mother much upon these years that you are now a maid. Thus then, in brief, the valiant Paris seeks you for his love. A man, young lady, lady, such a man as all the world, why, he's a man of wax. Verona summer hath not such a flower. Nay, he's a flower, in faith, a very flower. What say you? Can you love the gentleman? This night you shall behold him at our feast. Read o'er the volume of young Paris's face and find delight writ there with beauty's pen. 
examine every married lineament and see how one another lends content and what obscured in this fair volume lies find written in the margent of his eyes. This precious book of love, this unbound lover, to beautify him only lacks a cover. The fish lives in the sea and tis much pride for fair without the fair within to hide. That book in many's eyes doth share the glory that in gold clasps locks in the golden story. So shall you share all that he doth possess by having him making yourself no less. No less, nay, bigger. Women grow by men. Mm -hmm. Speak briefly. Can you like of Paris love? I'll look to like if looking liking move, but... No more deep will I endart mine eye than your consent gives strength to make it fly. Enter a servant. Madam, uh, the guests are come, supper served up, you called, my young lady asked for, the nurse cursed in the pantry, and everything in extremity. I must hence to wait. I, I beseech you, follow straight? We follow thee. Exit servant. Juliet, the county stays. Go, girl. Seek happy nights to happy days. Exit. Scene four, a street. Enter Romeo, Mercutio, Benvolio with five or six maskers, torchbearers, and others. What shall be this speech bespoke for our excuse, or shall we on without an apology? The date is out of such prolixity. We'll have no Cupid hoodwink with a scarf, bearing a tartar's painted bow of lath, scaring the ladies like a crow keeper nor no without book prologue faintly spoke after the prompter for our entrance. But let them measure us by what they will. We'll measure them a measure and be gone. Give me a torch. I am not for this ambling. Being but heavy, I will bear the light. Nay, gentle Romeo, we must have you dance. Not I, believe me. You have dancing shoes with nimble soles. I have a soul of lead, so stakes me to the ground. I cannot move. You are a lover. Borrow Cupid's wings and soar with them above a common bound. I am too sore and pierced with his shaft to soar with oh. his light. To soar with his light feathers and so bound. I cannot bound a pitch above dull wall. Under love's heavy burden do I sink. And to sink in it, should you burden love, too great oppression for a tender thing. Is love a tender thing? It is too rough, too rude, too boisterous, and it pricks like thorn. If love be rough with you, be rough with love. Prick love for pricking, and you beat love down. Give me a case. Put my visage in. A visor for a visor. <laughs> what care I? What curious eye doth quote deformities? Here are the beetle brows shall blush for me. Come, knock and enter, and no sooner in, but every man betake him to his legs. A torch for me. Let wantons light of heart tickle the senseless rushes with their heels. For I am proverbed with a grandsire phrase, I'll be a candle holder and look on. The game was near so fair, <laughs> and I am done. Cut! Done's the mouse, the constable's own word. If thou art done, 
will draw thee from the mire of this Sir Reverence love wherein thou stickest up to the ears. Come, we burn the daylight. Oh! Nay, that's not so. I mean, sir, in delay. We waste our lights in vain, like lamps by day. Take our good meaning, for our judgment sits five times in that air once our five wits. And we mean well in going to this mass, but tis no wit to go. Why, may one ask? I dreamed a dream tonight. And so did I. Well, what was yours? That dreamers often lie. In bed, asleep, while they do dream things true. Oh, then I see Queen Mab hath been with you. She is the fairy's midwife, and she comes in shape, no bigger than an agate stone on the forefinger of an alderman, drawn with a team of little atomies, athwart men's noses as they lie asleep. Her wagon spokes made of long spider's legs, the cover of the wings of grasshoppers, the traces of the smallest spider's web, the collars of the moonshine's watery beam, her whip of cricket's bone, the lash of film. Her wagoner is a small gray coated gnat, not so big as a round little worm pricked from the lazy finger of a maid, her chariot, is an empty hazelnut made by the joiner squirrel or old grub. Ah, time out of mind, the fairies coachmakers. And in this state, she gallops night by night through lovers' brains until they dream of love or courtiers' knees that dream on curtsies straight or lawyers' fingers that straight dream on fees or ladies' lips who straight on kisses dream, which oft the angry mab with blisters plagues because their breaths with sweetmeats tainted. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Sometimes she gallops over a courtier's nose and then dreams he of smelling out a suit. And sometimes she comes with a tithe pig's tail tickling a parson's nose as he lies asleep and then dreams he of another benefice. Ugh. Sometimes she driveth over a soldier's neck and then he dreams of cutting foreign throats, of breeches, ambuscados, Spanish blades, of healths five fathoms deep and then anon drums in his ear at which he wakes and starts. <laughs> And thus being frightened, swears a prayer or two and sleeps again. This is the very map that plates the manes of horses in the night, which bakes the elf locks in foul, sluttish hairs, which once entangled much misfortune bodes. This is the hag when maids lie on their backs that presses them and learns them first to bear, making them women of good carriage. This is she. Peace, peace, Mercutio, peace. The text of nothing. True. I talk of dreams, which are the children of an idle brain, begot of nothing but vain fantasy, which is as thin of substance as the air and more inconstant than the wind, which woos even now the frozen bosom of the North and 
being angered puffs away from thence, turning his face to the drew dropping south. This wind you talk of blows us from ourselves. Supper is done and we shall come too late. I fear too early. For my mind misgives some consequence yet hanging in the stars shall bitterly begin his fearful date with this night's revels and expire this term of a despised life close to my breast by some vile forfeit of untimely death. But he that hath the steerage of my course, direct my sail on lusty gentlemen. Strike drum. Exunt. Scene five, a hall in Capulet's house. Musicians waiting enter serving men with napkins. Where's Pop Pan has he, that he helps not to take away? He shifts a trencher? He scrapes a trencher? When good manners shall lie all in one or two men's hands and they unwash too, tis a foul thing. Away with the joint stools, remove the court cupboards, look to the plates. Good thou, save me a piece of march pan, and as thou lovest me, let the porter let in Susan Grindstone and Nell, Antony, and Pop Pan. Aye, foy, ready. You are looked for and called for, asked for and sought for in the grand chamber. Um, we, we cannot be here and there too. Cheerly, boys, be brisk a while, and the longer liver take all. Enter Capulet with Juliet and others in his house, meeting guests and maskers. Welcome, gentlemen! Ladies that have their toes unplagued with corns will have a bout with you. Ha <laughs> ha my mistresses! Which of you all will now deny to dance? She that makes dainty, she, I'll swear, hath corns. <laughs> Am I come near you now? Welcome, gentlemen. I have seen the day that I have worn a visor and could tell a whispering tale in a fair lady's ear such as would please. Tis gone. Tis gone. Tis gone. You are welcome, gentlemen. Come, musicians, play. A hall, a hall, give room and foot it, girls. Music plays and they dance. What lady is that, which doth enrich the hand of yonder knight? I know not, sir. No. Oh. She doth teach the torches to burn bright. It seems she hangs upon the cheek of night like a rich jewel in an Ethiop's ear. Beauty too rich for use. For earth too dear, so shows a snowy dove trooping with crows, as yonder lady o'er her fellow shows. The measure done, I'll wash her place of stand, and touching hers make blessed my rude hand. Did my heart love till now, for swear it's sight, for I ne'er saw true beauty till this night. This by his voice should be a Montague. Fetch me my rapier, boy. What dares the slave come hither, covered with an antic face, to fleer and scorn at our solemnity? Now, by the stock and honor of my kin, to strike him dead, I hold it not a sin. Why, how now, kinsman? Wherefore storm you so? Uncle, this is a Montague, our foe. 
a villain that is hither come in spite to scorn at our solemnity this night. Young Romeo, is it? Tis he, that villain Romeo. Oh, content thee, gentle cuz, let him alone. He bears him like a portly gentleman, and, to say truth, Verona brags of him to be a virtuous and well-governed youth. I would not for the wealth of all the town here in my house do him disparagement. Therefore be patient, take no note of him. It is my will, the which if thou respect, show a fair presence and put off these frowns and an ill-beseeming semblance for a feast. It fits when such a villain is a guest. I'll not endure him. He shall be endured. What, Goodman boy? I say, he shall go to. Am I the master here, or you? Go to. You'll not endure him? God shall mend my soul. You'll make a mutiny among my guests. You'll set a cock-a-hoop. You'll be the man. My uncle, tis a shame. Go to. Go to. You're a saucy boy. Is it so indeed? This trick may chance to scathe you. I know what. You must contrary me. Mary, tis time. Well said, my hearts. You are a princox. Go. Be quiet. Or, um, more light, more light. For shame. I will make you quiet. What? Cheerly, my hearts. Patience, perforce, with willful collar meeting, makes my flesh tremble in their different breeding. I will withdraw. But this intrusion shall, now seeming sweet, convert to bitter gall. Exit. If I profane with my unworthiest hand this holy shrine, the gentle fine is this. My lips, two blushing pilgrims, ready stand to smooth that rough touch with a tender kiss. Good pilgrim, you do wrong your hand too much, which mannerly devotion shows in this, for saints have hands that pilgrims' hands do touch, and palm to palm is holy palmer's kiss. Have not saints lips and holy palmers too? I, pilgrim, lips that they must use in prayer. Oh, then dear saint... Let lips do what hands do. They pray, grant thou, lest faith turn to despair. Saints do not move, though grant for prayer's sake. Then move not, but my prayer's effect I take. Thus from my lips, by yours, my sin is purged. And have my lips the sin that they have took? Sin from thy lips. Thou trespass sweetly urged, give me my sin again. Mm, you kiss by the book. Madam, your mother craves a word with you. What is her mother? Mary Bachelor. Her mother is the lady of the house, and a good lady, and a wise, and a virtuous. I nursed her daughter that you talked with all. I tell you, he that can lay hold of her shall have the jinx. She a Capulet? Oh dear account, my life is my foe's debt. Away, be gone, the sport is at the best. I so I fear the more is my unrest. Nay, gentlemen, prepare not to be gone. We have a trifling foolish banquet towards. 
And even so, why then? I thank you all. I thank you, honest gentlemen. Good night. More torches here. Come on, then. Let's to bed. Ah, Sarah. My, uh, by my fate, it waxes late. I'll do my rest. Exempt all but Juliet and the nurse. Come hither, nurse. What is yon gentleman? Uh, the son and heir of old Tiberia. No, what's he that's now going out the door? Mary, I, that I think be young Petruchio. No, no, he that follows there. Uh, that would not dance. I know not. Go ask his name. Oh, if he be married, my grave is like to be my wedding bed. His name is Romeo and Montague, the only son of your great enemy. I only love sprung from my only hate. Too early seen unknown and known too late. Oh, prodigious birth of love. It is to me that I must love a loathed enemy. What's this? What's this? A rhyme. Uh, I learned it even now with, with one I danced with all. Anon, Anon, come, let's away. The strangers are all gone. Exunt, Act Two, Scene One. Elaine by the wall of Capulet's orchard. Entered Romeo. Enter Romeo. Can I go forward when my heart is here? Turn back, dull earth, and find thy center out. He climbs the wall and leaps down within it. Enter Benvolio and Mercutio. Romeo, my cousin Romeo. He is wise, and on my lie hath stolen him home to bed. He ran this way and leapt this orchard wall. Call good Mercutio. Nay, I'll conjure too. Romeo! Humors! Madman! Passion! Lover! Appear thou in the likeness of a sigh. Speak but one rhyme and I am satisfied. Cry, but I me. Pronounce, but love and dove. Uh, <laughs> speak to my gossip Venus one fair word, one nickname for her purblind son and heir, young Adam Cupid, that he shot so trim, where King Cop Hoofda loved the beggar maid. He heareth not. He stirreth not, he moveth not. The ape is dead, and I must conjure him. I conjure thee by Rosalind's bright eyes, by her bright forehead and her scarlet lip, by her fine foot, straight leg, and, and oh, quivering thigh. Mm. And the dementis that there adjacent lie. <laughs> that, in thou likeness, appear to us. And if he hear thee, thou wilt anger him. Cannot anger him. Twould anger him to raise a spirit in his mistress's circle 
of some strange nature letting it there stand till she had laid it and conjured it down. That were some spite. My invocation is fair and honest and in his mistress's name. I conjure, but only to raise up him. Come, he hath hid himself among these trees to be consorted with the humorous knight. Blind is his love and best befits the dark. If love be blind, it cannot hit the mark. Now will he sit under a meddler tree and wish his mistress were that kind of fruit <laughs> as maids call meddlers when they laugh alone, Romeo, that she were, oh, that she were, and open a catera, thou a pupper and pear. Romeo, good night. Oh, I'll chew my turn a little bit. This, uh, this field is too cold for me to sleep. Come, come, we shall go. Go, then, uh, for tis in vain to seek him here, that means not to be found. Exunt, scene two, Capulet's Orchard, enter Romeo. He jests at scars that never felt a wound. Juliet appears above at a window. But soft. What light through yonder window breaks? Is it the east? It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. Arise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon, who is already sick and pale with grief, that thou, her maid, art far more fair than she. Be not her maid, since she is envious. Her vestal livery is but sick and green, and none but fools to wear it, cast it off. It is my lady. Oh, it is my love. Oh, that she knew she were. She speaks, yet she says nothing. What of that? Her eye discourses. I will answer it. Oh, I'm too bold. Tis not to me she speaks. Two of the fairest stars in all the heaven having some business do entreat her eyes to twinkle in their spheres till they return. <laughs> what if her eyes were there, they in her head? The brightness of her cheek would shame those stars as daylight doth a lamp. Her eyes in heaven would through the airy region streams so bright that birds would sing and think it were not night. See how she leans her cheek upon her hand. That I were a glove upon that hand that I might touch that cheek. I, me. She speaks. Speak again, bright angel, for thou art as glorious to this night, being o'er my head as is a winged messenger of heaven, unto the white upturned wandering eyes of mortals that fall back to gaze on him when he bestrides the lazy pacing clouds and sails upon the bosom of the air. Romeo. Romeo. 
Wherefore art thou? Romeo, like deny thy father, refuse thy name. Or if thou will not be but sworn my love, and I'll no longer be a Capulet. Shall I hear more? Or shall I speak at this? Tis but thy name that is thy enemy. Thou art thyself, though not a Montague. Like, what's Montague? It's not hand, nor foot, nor arm, nor face, nor any other part belonging to a man. Oh, be some other name. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. So Romeo would, were he not Romeo called, retain that dear perfection which he owes without that title. Oh, Romeo, doth thy name, and for that name which is no part of thee, take all myself. I take thee at thy word. Call me but love, and I'll be new baptized. Henceforth, I never will be Romeo. What man art thou that thus bescreened in night so stumblest upon my counsel? By a name, I know not how to tell thee who I am. My name, dear saint, is hateful to myself because it is an enemy to thee. Had I written it, I would tear the word. My ears have not yet drunk a hundred words of that tongue's utterance, yet I know the sound. Art thou not Romeo and a Montague? Neither, fair saint, if either thee dislike. How camest thou hither? Tell me, and, and, and wherefore? The orchard walls are high and hard to climb, and the place death, considering who thou art, if any of my kinsmen find thee here. With love's light wings did I o'erperch these walls, for stony limits cannot hold love out, for what love can do that dares love attempt, therefore thy kinsmen are no let to me. If they do see thee, they will murder thee. Alack, there lies more peril in thine eye than Twenty of their swords. Look thou but sweet, and I am proof against their enmity. I would not for the world they saw thee here. I have knights cloaked to hide me from their sight. And but thou love me, let them find me here. My life were better ended by their hate than death prorogued, wanting of thy love. By whose direction foundst thou out this place? Thy love, who first did prompt me to inquire. He lent me counsel, and I lent him eyes. I am no pilot, yet wert thou as far as that vast shore washed with the farthest sea, I would adventure for such merchandise. Thou notes the mask of night is on my face, else would a maiden blush but paint my cheek for that which thou hast heard me speak tonight. Fain would I dwell on form, fain Fain deny what I have spoke. Farewell compliment. Dost thou love me? I know thou wilt say I, and I will take thy word. Yet if thou swearest, thou mayest prove false. At lovers' perjuries, they say Joe laughs. Oh, gentle Romeo, if thou dost love, pronounce it faithfully. Or if thou thinkst I am too quickly won, I'll frown and be perverse and say thee nay. So thou wilt... Woo, but else <laughs> not for the world. <laughs> In truth, fair Montague, I am too fond. 
And therefore thou mayest think my behavior light, but trust me, gentlemen, I'll prove more true than those that have more cunning to be strange. Oh, I should have been more strange. (laughs) I must confess, but that thou overheardst ere I was where my true love's passion. Therefore, pardon me and not impute this yielding to light love, which the dark night hath so discovered. Lady, by yonder blessed moon, I swear that tips with silver all these fruit tree tops. Oh, swear not by the moon, the inconstant moon that monthly changes in her circled orb, lest that thy love prove likewise variable. What shall I swear by? Or do not swear at all. Or if thou wilt, swear by thy gracious self, which is the god of my idolatry, and I'll believe thee. If my heart's dear love... Well, do not swear. Although I joy in thee, I have no joy in this contract tonight. It's too rash, too unadvised, too sudden, too like the lightning which doth cease to be, ere one can say, it lightens. Sweet. Good night. This bud of love by summer's ripening breath may prove a beauteous flower when next we meet. Good night. Good night. As sweet repose and rest come to thy heart as that within my breast. What will leave me so unsatisfied? What satisfaction canst thou have tonight? The exchange of thy loves, faithful vow for mine. I gave thee mine before thou didst request it, and yet I would it were to give again. Wouldst thou withdraw it? For what purpose, love? But to be frank and give it thee again, and yet I wish but for the thing I have. (laughs) My bounty is as boundless as the sea. My love is deep. The more I give to thee, the more I have, for both are infinite. Juliet! I hear some noise within. Dear love, adieu. Anon, good nurse. Sweet Montague, be true. Stay but a little. I'll come again. Exit above. Blessed, blessed night. I am feared being in night. All this is but a dream. Too flattering, sweet to be substantial. Re-enter Juliet above. Three words, dear Romeo, and good night indeed. That if thy bent of love be honorable, thy purpose marriage, send me word tomorrow by one I'll procure to come to thee, where and what time thou wilt perform the rite, and all my fortunes at thy foot I'll lay and follow thee, my lord, throughout the world. Madam, I come anon. <laughs> but if thou means not well, I do beseech thee. Madam, oh, by and by, I come. Uh, to cease thy suit and leave me to my grief. Tomorrow I will send. So thrive my soul. A thousand times. Good night. Exit above. A thousand times the worse to want thy light. Love goes toward love as schoolboys from their books, but love from love toward school with heavy looks. Retiring. Re-enter Juliet above. Romeo! Psst! Oh, for a falconer's voice to lure this tassel gentle back again. 
I'll bondage his horse and may not speak aloud, else I would tear the cave where Echo lies and make her airy tongue more hoarse than mine with repetition of my Romeo's name. Is it my soul that calls upon my name? Hustle for sweet sound lovers' tongues by night, like softest music to attending ears. Romeo. My dear. At what o'clock tomorrow shall I send to thee? At the hour of nine. I will not fail. Tis twenty years till then. <laughs> I, I forgot why I did call thee back. <laughs> well, let me stand here till I remember it. I shall forget to have thee stand there still, remembering how I love thy company. And I'll still stay to have thee still forget, forgetting any other home but this. Tis almost morning. I would have thee gone, and yet no further than a wanton's bird who lets it hop a little from her hand like a poor prisoner in his twisted gyves and with a silk thread plucks it back again, so loving jealous of his liberty. I would I were thy bird. <laughs> Sweet, so would I. Yet I should kill thee which much, with much cherishing. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Oh, parting is such sweet sorrow. I shall say good night till it be morrow. Exit above. Sleep dwell upon thine eyes, peace in thy breast. Would I were sleep and peace so sweet to rest. Hence I will to my ghostly father's cell his help to crave, my dear hap to tell. Exit. Scene three, Friar Lawrence's cell. Enter Friar Lawrence with a basket. The gray-eyed morn smiles on the frowning night, checkering the eastern clouds with streaks of light, and flecked darkness like a drunkard reels from fourth day's path and tightens fiery wheels. Now, ere the sun advances burning eye, the day to cheer and night's dank dew to dry, I must upfill this austere cage of ours with baleful weeds and precious juiced flowers. The earth, that's, the earth that's nature's mother is her tomb. What is her burying grave that is her womb? And from her womb, children of divers kind, we sucking on her natural bosom find many for many virtues excellent, none for some, and yet all different. Oh, mickle is the powerful grace that lies in herbs, plants, stones, and their true qualities. For not so vile that on the earth doth live, but to the earth some special good doth give. Nor aught so good, but strained from that fair use, revolts from true birth, stumbling on abuse. Virtue itself turns vice being misapplied, and vice, sometimes by action, dignified. Within the infant rind of this small flower, poison hath residence and medicine power. For this being smelt with that part cheers each part. Being tasted slays all senses with the heart. Two such opposed kings encamp them still in man as well as herbs, grace and rude will. And where the worser is predominant, Full soon the canker death eats up that plant. Enter Romeo. Good morrow, father. Benedicite. 
What early tongue so sweet saluteth me? Young son, it argues a distempered head so soon to bid good morrow to thy bed. Care keeps his watch in every old man's eye, and where care lodges, sleep will never lie. But where unbruised youth with unstuffed brain doth couch his limbs, there golden sleep doth reign. Therefore, thy earliness doth me assure thou art uproused by some distemperature. Or, if not so, then here I hit it right. Our Romeo hath not been in bed tonight. Alas, it's true. The sweeter rest was mine. God pardon sin. Wast thou with Rosaline? With Rosaline? I go see father. No, I have forgot that name and that name's woe. Well, that's my good son. But where hast thou been then? I'll tell thee, ere thou ask it me again. I have been feasting with mine enemy, when on a sudden one hath wounded me, that's by me wounded. Both our remedies within thy help and holy physic lies. I bear no hatred, blessed man, for lo, my intercession likewise steads my foe. <laughs> Be plain, good son, and homely in thy drift. Riddling confession finds but riddling shrift. And plainly know my heart's dear love is set on the fair daughter of rich Capulet. As mine on hers, so hers is set on mine. And by all combined, save what thou must combine by holy marriage. When and where and how we met, we wooed, we made exchange of vow. I'll tell thee as we pass, but this I pray that thou consent to marry us today. Holy Saint Francis, what a change is here. Is Rosaline, whom thou didst love so dear, so soon forsaken? Oh, young men's love then lies not truly in their hearts, but in their eyes. Jesu Maria, what a deal of brine hath washed thy sallow cheeks for Rosaline? How much salt water thrown away in waste to season love that of it doth not taste? The sun not yet thy sighs from heaven clears, thy old groans ring yet in my ancient ears. Lo, here upon thy cheek the stain doth sit of an old tear that is not washed off yet. If e'er thou wast thyself and these woes thine, thou and these woes were all for Rosaline. And art thou changed? Pronounce this sentence then, women may fall when there's no strength in men. Thou chidest me oft for loving Rosaline. For doting, not for loving, pupil mine. And baits me bury love. Not in a grave to lay one in, another out to have. I pray thee, chide not. She whom I love now doth grace for grace and love for love allow the other did not so. Oh, she knew well thy love did read by rote and could not spell. But come, young waverer, come, go with me. In one respect, I'll thy assistant be. For this alliance may so happy prove to turn your household's rancor to pure love. Oh, let us hence. I stand on sudden haste. Wisely and slow. They stumble that run fast. Exert. Scene four, a street. Enter Benvolio and Mercutio. Where the devil should this Romeo be? Came he not home tonight? Not to his father's. I spoke with his man. 
Ah, that same pale, hard-hearted wench that Rosaline torments him so that he will sure run mad. Tybalt, the, the kinsman of old Capulet, hath sent a letter to his father's house. A challenge of my life. Romeo will answer it. Any man that can write may answer a letter. Nay, he will answer the letter's master how he dares being dared. <laughs> Alas, poor Romeo. He is already dead, stabbed with a white wench's black eye, shot through the air with a love song, the very pin of his heart cleft with the blind ball boy's butt shaft. Is he a man to encounter Tybalt? What, what is Tybalt? More than a prince of cats, I tell you. Oh, he is the courageous captain of compliments. He fights. As you sing, prick song, keeps time, distance, and proportion, rest me in his minimum, rest one, two, and the third in your bosom. The very butcher of a silk button, a duelist, a duelist, a gentleman of the very first house, of the first and second cause, ah, the immortal Posado, the Punto Reverso, the hay. The what? The pox of such antic, lisping, affecting, fantasticos, the, uh, these new tuners of accents. By, by Jesu, uh, a very good blade, a, a very tall man, a very good whore. Why is this not a lamentable thing, grandsire, that we should thus be afflicted with these strange flies, these fashion mongers, these Perdonamese, who, who stand so much on the new form that they cannot at ease the old bench. Ugh, they're, they're bones, they're bones. Ah, Romeo. Here comes Romeo, here comes Romeo. Without his row, like a dried herring, flesh, flesh, how thou art fishified. For now he is for the numbers that Petria flowed in. Laura to his lady was but a kitchen wench. Mary. She had a better love to be rhyme her. Dido, a dowdy. Cleopatra, a gypsy. Helen and Hero, mm, hidelings and harlots. Thisbe, a gray eye, or so. But not to the purpose, Signor Romeo. Bonjour. There's a French salutation for your French slop. You gave us the counterfeit fairly last night. Good morrow to you both. Counterfeit did I give you? The ship, sir, the ship, can you not conceive? Pardon, good Mercutio. My business was great, and in such a case as mine, a man may strain courtesy. That's as much to say. Such a case as yours constrains a man to bow in the hands. Meaning to courtesy. Thou hast most kindly hid it. A most courteous exposition. Nay, I am the very pink of courtesy. Pink for flower. Right. Well then, my pump is well flowered. Mm. Hmm? Well said. Follow me this just now till thou hast worn out thy pump, and that when the single soul of it is worn, the jest may remain after the wearing soul singular. Oh, single souls jest solely singular for these. Singleness. Ugh. <laughs> Come between us. Good. Benvolio. Ugh. My wits faint. Switches and spurs. Switch and spurs, or I'll cry a match. 
Nay, if thy wits run the wild goose chase, I have done. For thou hast more of the wild goose in one of thy wits than I am sure I have in my whole five. Was I with you there for the goose? Thou was never with me for anything when thou wast not there for the goose. <laughs> I will bite thy ear off with that jest. Oh, my good goose, bite not. Thy wit is a very bitter sweeting. It is the most sharp sauce. And it is, is it not well served to a sweet goose? Oh. <laughs> Here's a wit of chervil that stretches from an inch narrow to an L broad. Well, I stretch it out for that word broad, which added to the goose proves thee far and wide a broad goose. Why? Is, is not this better now than groaning for love? Now thou art sociable. <laughs> now thou art Romeo. Now art thou what thou art by art as well as by nature. For this driveling love ah, is like a great natural that runs lolling up and down to just hide his bobble in a hole. Stop there. Stop there. Thou desirest me to stop in my tail against the hair? Thou wouldst else have made thy tail large. Oh, that art deceived. I would have made it short. For I was to come to the whole depth of my tail and meant indeed to occupy the argument no longer. Oh, here's goodly gear. Enter Nurse and Peter. A sail. A sail. Two, two, a shirt and a smock. Peter, on my fan, Peter. Good Peter to hide her face, for her fan's the fairer face. God ye good morrow, gentlemen. God ye good den, fair gentle woman. Is it good den? Tis no less, I tell you, for the body hand of the dial is now upon the prick of noon. Out upon you, what a man are you? One gentleman that God hath made for himself to mar. By my troth, it is set well said for himself to mar, quoth a. <sighs> gentlemen, can any of you tell me where I may find the young Romeo? I can tell you, but... Young Romeo will be older when you have found him than when he was when you sought him. I am the youngest of that name, for fault of a worse. You say well. Yeah? Is the worst well? Very well took a faith. Wisely. It's wise. If you be he, sir, I desire some confidence with you. You will indict him to some supper. Oh, abroad, abroad. So, ho. What hast thou found? No hair, sir. Unless a hair, sir, in a Lenten pie that is something stale and whore, the air it be spent. An old hair, and an old hair, is a very good meat in Lent. But a hair that is a whore is too much for a score when it whores ere it be spent. Romeo, will you come to your father's? Will to dinner hither? Romeo, 
I will follow you. Farewell, ancient lady. Farewell, lady, 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 lady. Exit Mercutio and Benvolio. Mary, farewell. I pray you, sir, what saucy merchant was this that was so full of his ropery? A gentleman nurse that loves to hear himself talk. And will speak more in a minute than he will stand to in a month. And to speak anything against me, I'll take him down. And we're, and, oh, we're lustier than he is and 20 such jacks. And if I cannot, I'll find those that shall. Scurvy knave. I am none of his flirt gills. I am none of his skeins mates. And thou must stand by too and suffer every name to use me at his pleasure. Saw no man use you a pleasure. If I had my weapon, I sh should have quickly had been out. I warrant you, I dare draw as soon as another man. If I see occasion in a quarrel, and the law on my side. Now, afore God, I am so vexed that every part about me quivers. Scurvy knave, pray you, sir, a word. And as I told you, my young lady bade me inquire you out. What she bade me say, I will keep to myself. But first, let me tell you, if you shall lead her into a fool's paradise, as they say, it were a very gross kind of behavior, as they say. For the gentlewoman is young, and therefore, if you should deal double with her, truly, it were an ill thing to be offered to any gentlewoman in a very weak dealing. Nurse, commend me to thy lady, and mistress, I protest unto thee. Good heart, and I have faith, I will tell her as much. Lord, Lord, she will be a joyful woman. What wilt thou tell her, nurse? Thou dost not mark me. I will tell her, sir, that you do protest, which, as I take it, is a gentlemanlike offer. Bid her devise some means to come to shrift this afternoon. And there she shall at Friar Lawrence's cell be shrived and married. Here is... Here's for thy pains. No, truly, sir, not a penny. Oh, too, I say you shall. This afternoon, sir? Well, she shall be there. And stay, good nurse, behind the abbey wall. Within this hour, my man shall be with thee and bring thee cords made like a tackled stair, which to the high top gallant of my joy must be my convoy in the secret night. Farewell. Be trusty, and I'll quit thy pains. Farewell. Commend me to thy mistress. Now God in heaven bless thee. Hark you, sir. What sayest thou, my dear nurse? Is your man's secret? Did you ne'er hear say, two may keep counsel putting one away? I warrant thee, my man's as true as steel. Well, sir. My mistress is the sweetest lady, Lord, Lord, when twas a little prating thing. Oh, there was a noble woman in town, one Paris, that would fain to lay knife aboard. But she, good soul, had as lief see a toad, a very toad, as see him. I anger her sometimes and tell her that Paris is the properer man. But I'll warrant you when I say so, she looks as pale as any clout in the versal world. Doth not Rosemary and Romeo begin with the same letter? 
I nurse. What of that? Both with an R. Uh, mocker. That's the dog's name. R is for the... No, I think that begins with some other letter. And she hath the prettiest sensuousness of, of it, of you and Rosemary, that it would do you good to hear it. Commend me to thy lady. I a thousand times. Exit Romeo. Peter. Anon. Peter, take my fan and go before and apace. Exit. Scene five, Capulet's Orchard. Enter Juliet. Clockstruck nine when I did send the nurse. In half an hour, she promised to return. Oh, perchance she cannot meet him. No, that's not so. Oh, she is lame. Love's herald should be thoughts, which ten times faster than the sun's beams, driving back shadows over lowering hills. Therefore do nimble pinion doves draw love, and therefore hath the wind swift Cupid's wings. Now the sun is on the highmost hill of this day's journey, and from nine till twelve is three hours long, and she is not come. Had she the affections and warm youthful blood, she would be as swift in motion as a ball. My words would bandy her to my sweet love and his to me. But old folks, many fain as they were dead, unwieldy, slow, heavy, pale as lead. Oh, God, here she comes. Enter nurse and Peter. Oh, honey nurse, what's news? Hast thou met with him? Send thy man away. Peter, stay at the gate. Exit Peter. Now, good sweet nurse. Oh, Lord, why looks thou sad? Though news be sad, yet tell them merrily. If good, thou shamest the music of sweet news by planking to me with so sour a face. I am a weary. Give me leave a while. Fie, how my bones ache. What a jaunt have I had. I wouldst thou had my bones and I thy news. Nay, come, I pray thee, speak, good nurse, speak. Jesu, what haste. Can you not stay a while? Do you not see that I am out of breath? How art thou out of breath when thou hast breath to say to me that thou art out of breath? The excuse that thou dost make in this delay is longer than the tale that doth excuse it. Is thy news good or bad? The answer to that, say either, and I'll state the circumstance. Let me be satisfied. Is it good or bad? Well, you have made a simple choice. You know not how to choose a man. Romeo? No, not he. Though his face be better than any man's. Yet his leg excels all men's, and for a hand, and a foot, and a body, though they be not to be talked on, yet they are past compare. He is not the flower of courtesy, but I'll warrant him as gentle as a lamb. Go thy ways, wench, serve God. What, have you dined at home? No. No. But all this I didn't know before. What says he of our marriage? What of that? Lord, how my head aches. What a head have I. 
beats as if, as it would fall in 20 pieces. Oh, my back to the other side. Oh, my back. My back. Beshrew your heart for sending me about to catch my death with jaunting up and down. Faith, I am sorry that thou art not well. Sweet, sweet, sweet nurse, tell me, what says my love? Your love says, like an honest gentleman, and a courteous, and a kind, and a handsome, and I warrant a virtuous, uh, where is your mother? Where's my mother? What? She's within. Where should she be? How oddly thou repliest. Your love says, like an honest gentleman, where is your mother? Oh, God's lady dear, are you so hot? Mary, come up, I trow. Is this a poultice for my aching bones? Henceforward, do your mes- messages yourself. Oh, you're such a coil. Come, what says Romeo? Have you got leave to go to shrift today? I have. Then hie you hence to Friar Lawrence's cell. There stays a husband to make you a wife. <laughs> now comes the wanton blood in your cheeks. There'll be scarlet straight at any news. Hie you to church. I must the other way to fetch a ladder by the which your love must climb a bird's nest soon when it is dark. I am the drudge and toil in your delight, but you shall bear the burden soon at night. <laughs> Go all to dinner. Hi, you to the cell. Hi to high fortune, honest nurse. Farewell. Exeunt. Scene six. Friar Lawrence's cell. Enter Friar Lawrence and Romeo. So smile the heavens upon this holy act that after hours with sorrow chide us not. Amen. Amen. But. Come what sorrow can, it cannot countervail the exchange of joy that one short minute gives me in her sight. Do that, but close our hands with holy words, then love devouring death, do what he dare. It is enough, I may but call her mine. These violent delights have violent ends, and in their triumph die like fire and powder, which as they kiss, consume. The sweetest honey is loathsome in his own deliciousness, and in the taste confounds the appetite. Therefore, love moderately. Long love doth so. Too swift arrives as tardy as too slow. Enter Juliet. Here comes the lady. Oh, so light of foot will ne'er wear out the everlasting flint. A lover may bestride the gossamer that idles in the wanton summer air and yet not fall. So light is vanity. Good even to my ghostly confessor. Romeo shall thank thee, daughter, for us both. Uh, As much to him, else is his thanks too much. Juliet, if the measure of thy joy be heaped like mine and that thy skill be more to blazon it than sweeten with thy breath this neighbor air and let rich music's tongue unfold the imagined happiness that both receive in either by this dear encounter conceit more rich in matter than in words brags of his substance not of ornament (laughs) they are but beggars that can count their worth 
but my true love is grown to such excess. I cannot sum up some half of my wealth. Come, come with me and we will make short work. For by your leaves, you shall not stay alone till holy church incorporate two in one. Exempt. Act three, scene one, a public place. Enter Mercutio, Benvolio, page and servants. I pray thee, good Mercutio, let's retire. The day is hot, the Capulet's abroad, and if we meet, we shall not escape a brawl, for now these hot days is the mad blood stirring. <laughs> Thou art like one of those fellows. Yep. When he enters the confines of a tavern, claps me, his sword, upon the table and says, Oh, God sent me no need of thee. And by the operation of the second cup, draws it on the drawer when indeed there is no need. Am I like such a fellow? Come, come. Thou art as hot as a jack in my mood as any in Italy, and as soon as moved to be moody, as soon moody to be moved. And what two? Nay, well, and there were two such. We should have none shortly, for one would kill the other. <laughs> now, uh, why thou wilt quarrel with a man that hath a hair more or a hair less in his beard than thou hast. Thou wilt quarrel with a man for cracking nuts, having no other reason but because thou hast hazel eyes. What eye, but such an eye, would spy out such a quarrel? Thy head is as full of quarrels as an egg is full of meat, and yet thy head hath been beaten as addle, as an egg for quarreling. Thou hast quarreled with a man for coughing in the street because he hath wakened thy dog that hath lain asleep in the sun. Didst thou not fall out of a tailor for wearing his new doublet before Easter with another for tying his new shoes with an old ribbon? <laughs> Yet thou wilt tutor me for quarreling. And I were so apt to quarrel as thou art, any man would buy the fee simple of my life for an hour and a quarter. <laughs> The fee simple. Ha! Ho, ho, ho! Simple! <laughs> By my head, here come the Capulets. <sighs> By my heel, I care not. Enter Tybalt and others. Follow me close, for I will speak to them. Gentlemen, good den, a word with one of you. And but one word, with one of us. Couple it with something. Make it a word and a, a blow. You shall find me apt enough to that, sir, and you give me the occasion. Could you not take some occasion without giving? Mercutio, thou consortest with Romeo. Consort? <laughs> oh, what? Does thou make us minstrels? <laughs> and thou make minstrels of us. Look to hear nothing but discords. Here's my fiddlestick. That shall make you dance. Zounds, consort! We talk here in the public haunt of men. Either withdraw unto some private place and reason coldly of your grievances, or else depart. Here all eyes gaze on us. Men's eyes were made to look and let them gaze. I will not budge for no man's pleasure. I Enter Romeo. Well, peace be with you. Here comes my man. 
But I'll be hanged, sir, if you wear your livery. Mary, go before, to field. He'll be your follower. Your worship in that sense may call him man. Romeo, the hate I bear thee can afford no better term than this. Thou art a villain. Tybalt, the reason that I have to love thee doth much excuse the appertaining range to such a greeting. Villain am I none. Therefore, farewell, I see thou knowest me not. Boy, this shall not excuse the injuries that thou hast done me. Therefore, turn and draw. I do protest I never injured thee, but love thee better than thou canst devise, till thou shalt know the reason of my love, and so good Capulet, whose name I tender as dearly as mine own, be satisfied. Oh, come. Honorable. Vile submission? Alastetacata carries it away. Tybalt! You rat catcher! Will you walk? What wouldst thou have with me? Good king of cats, nothing but one of your nine lives. That I mean to bold withal, as you shall use me hereafter, dry beat the rest of the eight. Will you pluck your sword out of his pitcher by the ears? Make haste, lest be mine and about your ears, let it be out. I am for you. Gentle Mercutio. Put thy rapier up. Come, sir, your passado. They fight. Draw, Benvolio, beat down their weapons. Gentlemen, for shame, forbear this outrage. Tibble, Mercutio the prince expressly hath forbidden banding in Verona's streets. Hold, Tibble, good Mercutio. Tibble's under Romeo's arm stabs Mercutio and flies with ah! the followers. Oh! I'm hurt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a plague on both their houses. <gasps> Ooh, I am sped. <sighs> Is it gone? And hath nothing. What? Art thou hurt? I, I, a scratch. <laughs> Mary. Oh, tis enough. Where's my page? Go, <laughs> villain. Fetch a surgeon. Exit page. Courage, oh. man. The hurt cannot be much. Oh, no. Tis not so deep as a well, nor so wide as a church door. But tis enough. Oh, twill serve. <laughs> Ask for me tomorrow, and you shall find me a grave. Oh, oh I am pepper. <laughs> I want for this world. Oh, a plague on both your houses. Zelt, a dog, a cat, a rat, a mouse, a cat, to scratch a man's to death, a braggart, a rogue, a villain that fights by the book of arithmetic. Why the devil you came between us? I was hurt under your arm. I thought all for best. Help me into some house, Benvolio. Oh, I shall faint. Oh, plague on both your houses. They have made worms meat of me. I have it, and soundly too. Your 
houses. Exactly. and Benvolio. This gentleman, this prince's near ally, my very friend hath got his mortal hurt in my behalf. My reputation stained with Tybalt's slander, Tybalt that an hour hath been my kinsman. Sweet Juliet, thy beauty hath made me effeminate, and in my temper softened valor's steel. Re-enter Benvolio. Oh, Romeo. Romeo. Brave Mercutio's dead. That gallant spirit hath aspired the clouds, which too untimely here did scorn the earth. This day's black fate on more days doth depend. This begins the woe, others must end. Here comes the furious Tybalt back again. Alive in triumph, and Mercutio slain. Away to heaven, respective lenity, and fire-eyed fury be my conduct now. Re-enter Tybalt. Now, Tybalt, take the villain back again that late thou givest me. For Mercutio's soul is but a little way above our heads, staying for thine to keep him company. Either thou or I or both must go with him. Thou, wretched boy, that didst consort him here, shall with him hence. This shall determine that. They fight and Tybalt falls. <clears throat> Romeo, away, be gone. The citizens are up and Tybalt slain. Stand not amazed. The prince will doom thee death if thou art taken. Hence, be gone, away. Oh, I am fortune's fool. Why dost thou stay? Exit Romeo, enter citizens and company. Which way ran he that killed Mercutio? Tybalt, that murderer, which way ran he? There lies that Tybalt. Up, sir, go with me. I charge thee in the prince's name. Obey. Enter prince attended, Montague, Capulet, their wives, and others. Where are the vile beginners of this fray? Oh, noble prince, I can discover all the unlucky manage of this fatal brawl. There lies the man slain by young Romeo that slew thy kinsman, brave Mercutio. Tybalt, my cousin? Oh, my brother's child. Oh, prince. Oh, cousin, husband. Oh, the blood is spilt. Oh, my dear kinsman. Prince, as thou art true, for blood of ours, shed blood of Montague. Benvolio. Oh, cousin. cousin. Benvolio, who began this bloody fray? Tybalt, here slain, whom Romeo's hand did slay. Romeo that spoke him fair, bade him bethink how nice the quarrel was, and urged with all your high displeasure. All this uttered with gentle breath, calm look, knees humbly bowed, could not take truce with the unruly spleen of Tybalt, death to peace, but that he tilts with piercing steel at bold Mercutio's breast, who all as hot turns deadly point to point, and with a martial scorn, with one hand beats cold death aside, and with the other sends it back to Tybalt, whose dexterity retorts it. 
Romeo, he cries aloud, hold friends, friends part, and swifter than his tongue, his agile arm be beats down their fatal points and twixt them rushes, underneath whose arm an envious thrust from Tybalt hit the life of stout Mercutio, and then Tybalt fled. But by and by comes back to Romeo, who had but newly entertained revenge, and to it they go like lightning, for ere I could draw to part them, was tout, stout Tybalt slain. And as he fell, did Romeo turn and fly. This is the truth, or let Benvolio die. He is a kinsman to the Montague. Affection makes him false, he speaks not true. Some 20 of them fought in this black strife, and all those 20 could but kill one life. I beg for justice, which thou, prince, must give. Romeo slew Tybalt. Romeo must not live. Romeo slew him. He slew Mercutio. Who now the price of his dear blood doth owe? Not Romeo, prince. He was Mercutio's friend. His fault concludes, but what the law should end, the life of Tybalt. And for that offense, immediately we do exile him hence. I have an interest in your hate's proceeding. My blood for your rude brawls doth lie a-bleeding. But I'll immerse you with so strong a fine that you all shall repent the loss of mine. I will be deaf to pleading and excuses, nor tears nor prayers shall purchase out abuses, therefore use none. Let Romeo hence in haste. Else when he is found... That hour is his last. Bear hence these bodies and attend our will. Mercy but murders, pardoning those that kill. Exunt. Scene two, Capulet's Orchard. Enter Juliet. Gallop apace, you fiery-footed steeds toward Phoebus' lodging. Such a wagoner as Phaethon would whip you to the west and bring in cloudy night immediately. Spread thy close curtain, love-performing night, that runaway's eyes may wink and Romeo leap into these arms, untalked of and unseen. Lovers concede to do their amorous rites by their own beauties. Or... If love be blind, it best agrees with night. Come, civil night, thou sober-suited matron, all in black, and learn me how to lose a winning match played for a pair of stainless maidenhoods. <laughs> Hood my unmanned blood, oh, baiting my cheeks with that black mantle. Still, strange love, grown bold, think true love acted simple modesty. Come, night, come, Romeo, come, thou day in night, for thou wilt lie upon the wings of night, whiter than new snow on a raven's back. Come, gentle night, come, loving, black-browed night, give me my Romeo. And when he shall die, Take him and cut him out into little stars, and he will make the face of heaven so fine that all the world will be in love with night. And pay no worship to the garish sun. 
Oh, I have bought a mansion of a love, but not possessed it yet. And though I am sold, not yet enjoyed. <laughs> so tedious is this day, as is the night before some festival to an impatient child that hath new robes and may not wear them. Here comes my nurse, and she brings news. And every tongue that speaks but Romeo's name speaks heavenly eloquence. Enter nurse with cords. Now, nurse, what news? What hast thou there? The, the cords that Romeo did bid thee fetch? Aye, uh, aye, the cords. Throws them down. I me, what news? Why dost thou wring thou ha thy hands? Holiday, he's dead. He's dead, he's dead. We are undone, lady. We are undone. Alack the day. He's gone. He's killed. He's dead. Can heaven be so envious? Romeo can, though heaven cannot. Romeo. Romeo, whoever would have thought it. Romeo. What devil art thou that dost torment me thus? This torture should be roared in dismal hell. Hath Romeo slain himself? Say thou, say thou, but I, and bear that vowel, I shall poison more than deadly darting, than death darting eye of cockatrice. I am not I, if there be such an eye, or, or, or those eyes shut and make the answer I. If he be slain, say I, or if not, no. Brief sound determine my weal or woe. I saw the wound. I saw it with mine eyes. God save the mark. Here on his manly breast, a piteous corse, a bloody piteous corse, pale, pale as ashes, all bedaubed in blood, all in gore blood. I swooned it at the sight. Oh, break my heart. Poor bankrupt break at once to prison eyes ne'er look on liberty file earth to reign resign end motion there and thou and romeo press one heavy bear <laughs> timult timult the best friend i have Oh, courteous Tybalt, honest gentleman, that ever I should live to see thee dead. What storm is this that blows so contrary? Is Romeo slaughtered and is Tybalt dead? My dear loved cousin and my dearer lord. Then dreadful trumpets sound the general doom, for, for who is living if those two are gone? is gone and Romeo banished Romeo that killed him he is banished oh god did Romeo's hand shed Tybalt's blood it did it did alas the day it did oh, serpent heart hid with a, a flowering face did ever dragon keep so fair a cave Beautiful, tyrant, 
fiend, angelical, dove-feathered, raven, wolvish, ravening lamb, despised substance of divinest show, just opposite to what thou justly seemed, a damned saint, an honorable villain. O nature, what hadst thou to do in hell when thou didst bower the spirit of a fiend in moral paradise of such sweet flesh? Was ever book containing such vile matter so fairly bound? Oh, that deceit should dwell in such a gorgeous palace. There is no trust, no faith, no honesty in men, all perjured, all forsworn, all not, all dissemblers. Where's my man? Give me some aqua vitae. These griefs, these woes, these sorrows make me old. Shame come to Romeo. Blister be thy tongue for such a wish. He was not born to shame. Upon his brow, shame is ashamed to sit. For tis a throne where honor may be crowned, sole monarch of the universal earth. Oh, what a beast was I to chide at him. Will you speak well of him that killed your cousin? Shall I speak ill of him that is my husband? Oh, my poor Lord, what tongue shall smooth thy name when I, thy three hours wife, have mangled it? But wherefore, villain, did thou kill my cousin? That villain cousin would have killed my husband. No, back. Foolish tears, back to your native spring. Your, your tributary drops belong to woe, which you mistaking offer up to joy. My husband lives that Tybalt would have slain. And Tybalt's dead that would have slain my husband. All this is comfort. Wherefore weep I then? Some word was there worse than Tybalt's death that murdered me. I would forget it, fain, but... Oh, it presses to my memory like damned guilty deeds to sinners' minds. Oh, Tybalt is dead and Romeo banished. That banished, that one word, banished, had slain 10,000 Tybalts. Tybalt's death was woe enough if it had ended there or if sour woe delights in fellowship and needly will be ranked with other griefs. Why followed not when she said, Tybalt's dead, thy father or thy mother, nay, or both, which modern lamentations might have moved with a rearward following of Tybalt's death. Romeo is banished. To speak that word is father, mother, Tybalt, Romeo, Juliet, all slain, all dead. Romeo is banished. <laughs> there is no end, no limit, measure, bounds that is words death. No words can that woe sound. Where's my father and my mother, nurse? Weeping and wailing over Tibble's corpse. Will you go to them? I will bring you thither. Wash they his wounds with tears. Mine shall be spent when theirs are dry for Romeo's banishment. 
Take up those cords. Poor ropes. You are beguiled, both you and I, for Romeo is exiled. He made you for a highway to my bed. That I, a maid, die maiden widowed. Come cords, come nurse, I'll to my wedding bed. And death, not Romeo, take my maiden head. Hie you to your chamber. I'll find Romeo to comfort you. I wot well where he is. Hark ye, your Romeo will be here at night. I'll to him. He's hid at Lawrence cell. I'll find him. Give this ring to my true knight and bid him come take his last farewell. Exit. Scene three, Friar Lawrence's cell. Enter Friar Lawrence. Romeo, come forth. Come forth, thou fearful man. Affliction is enamoured of thy parts, and thou art wedded to calamity. Enter Romeo. Father, what news? What is the prince's doom? What sorrow craves acquaintance at my hand that I yet know not? Too familiar is my dear son with such sour company. I bring thee tidings of the prince's doom. What less than doomsday is the prince's doom? A gentler judgment vanished from his lips, not body's death, but body's banishment. <laughs> banishment? Be merciful, say death. For exile hath more terror in his look, much more than death. Do not say banishment. Hence from Verona art thou banished. Be patient, for the world is broad and wide. There is no world without Verona walls, but purgatory, torture, hell itself, hence banished, is banished from the world. And world's exile is death. Then banished is death mist. Turned, calling death banishment, thou cuttest my head off with a golden axe, and smilest upon the stroke that murders me. O oh, deadly sin! O oh, rude unthankfulness! Thy fault our law calls death, but the kind prince, taking thy part, hath rushed aside the law, and turned that black word death to banishment. This is dear mercy, and thou seest it not. Tis torture and not mercy. Heaven is here where Juliet lives, and every cat and dog and little mouse, every unworthy thing, live here in heaven and may look on her, but Romeo may not. More validity, more honorable state, more courtship lives and carrion flies than Romeo. They might seize on the white wander of dear Juliet's hand and steal immortal blessings from her lips. So even in pure and vestal modesty still blush as thinking their own kisses sin. But Romeo may not. He is banished. Flies may do this, but I from this must fly. They are free men, but I am banished. And sayest thou yet that exile is not death? Hast thou no poison mixed, no sharp ground knife, no sudden means of death, thou ne'er so mean, but banished to kill me? Banished. Friar, the 
damned cues, that word in hell, howlings attended. How hast thou the heart, being a divine, a ghostly confessor, a sin absolver, and my friend professed to mangle me with that word banished? Thou fond mad man, hear me but speak a word. Oh, that will speak again of banishment. I'll give thee armor to keep off that word. Adversity's sweet milk, philosophy, to comfort thee, though thou art banished. Yet banished. Hang up philosophy, unless philosophy can make a Juliet. Displant a town, reverse a prince's tomb, it helps not, it prevails not, talk no more. Oh, then I see that madmen have no ears. How should they when wise men have no eyes? Let me dispute with thee of thy estate. Thou canst not speak of that that thou dost not feel. Were thou as young as I, Juliet, thy love, an hour, but marrying Tybalt, murder doting like me, and like me banished, thou mightest thou speak, then mightest thou tear thy hair and fall upon the ground as I do now, taking the measure of an unmade grave. Arise, one knocks. Good Romeo, hide thyself. Not I. Must the breath of heartsick groans mislike enfold me from the search of eyes. Oh, hark how they knock! Who's there? Romeo, arise, thou wilt be taken. Stay a while, stand up. Run to my study. By and by, God's will, what simpleness is this? I come, I come. Who knocks so hard? Whence come you? What's your will? Let me come in and you shall know my errand. I come from Lady Juliet. Welcome, then. Enter nurse. Oh, holy friar, tell me, holy friar, where is my lady's lord? Where is Romeo? There on the ground, with his own tears made drunk. He is even my, in my mistress' case, just in her case. Oh, woeful sympathy, piteous predicament. Even so she lies, blubbering and weeping, weeping and blubbering. Stand up, stand up, stand and you be a man for Juliet's sake, for her sake, rise and stand. Why should you fall into so deep an O? Nurse. Uh, sir, oh, sir, well, death's the end of all. Spakest thou of Juliet? How is it with her? Did she not think me an old murderer now? I have stained the childhood of her joy with blood removed but little from her own. Where is she? How doth she? What says my concealed lady to her cancelled love? She says nothing, sir, but weeps and weeps and now falls on her bed and then starts up and Tybalt calls and then on Romeo cries and then down falls again. As if that name shot from the deadly level of a gun did murder her, as that name's cursed hand murdered her kinsmen. Oh. 
Tell me, friar, tell me, in what vile part of this anatomy doth my name lodge? Tell me that I may sack the hateful mansion. Drawing his sword. Hold thy desperate hand. Art thou a man? Thy form cries out thou art. Thy tears are womanish. Thy wild acts denote the unreasonable fury of a beast. Unseemly woman in a seeming man, or ill-seeming beast in seeming both. Thou hast amazed me. By my holy order I thought thy disposition better tempered. Hast thou slain, Tybalt? Wilt thou slay thyself? And stay thy lady too that lives in thee by doing damned hate upon thyself? Why railst thou on thy birth, the heaven and earth, since birth and heaven and earth all three do meet in thee at once, which thou at once would lose? Fie! Fie, thou shamest thy shape, thy love, thy wit, which like a usurer aboundst in all, and usest none in that true use indeed which should bedeck thy shape, thy love, thy wit. Thy noble shape is but a form of wax, digressing from the valor of a man. Thy dear love, sworn but hollow perjury, killing that love which thou hast vowed to cherish. Thy wit, that ornament to shape and love, misshapen in the conduct of them both, like powder in a skidless soldier's flask, is set afire by thine own ignorance, and thou dismembered with thine own defense. What rouse thee, man? Thy Juliet is alive, for whose dear sake thou wast but lately dead. There thou art happy. Tybalt would kill thee, but thou slewst Tybalt. There art thou happy too. The law that threatened death becomes thy friend and turns it to exile. There art thou happy. A pack of blessings lights upon thy back. Happiness courts thee in her best array. But, like a misbehaved and sullen wench, thou poutst upon thy fortune and thy love. Take heed, take heed, for such die miserable. Go, get thee to thy love as was decreed. Ascend her chamber hence, and comfort her. But look thou, stay not till the watch be set, for then thou canst not pass to Mantua, where thou shalt live, till we can find a time to blaze your marriage, reconcile your friends, beg pardon of the prince, and call thee back with twenty hundred thousand times more joy than thou wentst forth in lamentation. Go before nurse, commend me to thy lady, and bid her hasten all the house to bed, which heavy sorrow makes them apt unto. Romeo is coming. Oh, Lord, I could have stayed here all the night to hear good counsel. Well, what learning is, my lord, I'll tell my lady you will come. Do so, and bid my sweet prepare to chide. Here, sir. A ring she bid me give you, sir. Hi, you. Make haste, for it grows very late. Exit. Well, my comfort is revived by this. Go hence. Good night. And here stands all your state. 
either be gone before the watch be set, or by the break of day disguised from hence. Sojourn in Mantua. I'll find out your man, and he shall signify from time to time every good hap to you that chances here. Give me thy hand. Tis late. Farewell. Good night. That a joy past joy calls out on me. It were a grief. So brief to part with thee. Farewell. Exempt. Scene four, a room in Capulet's house. Enter Capulet, Lady Capulet in Paris. Things have fallen out, sir, so unluckily that we have had no time to move our daughter. Look you, she loved her kinsman, Tybalt, dearly. And so did I. Well, we were born to die. Hmm. Tis very late. She'll not come down tonight. I promise you. But for your company, I would have been abed an hour ago. These times of woe afford no time to woo. Madam, good night. Commend me to your daughter. I will. And know her mind early tomorrow. Tonight she is mewed up to her heaviness. Sir Paris, I will make a desperate tender of my child's love. I think she will be ruled in all respects by me. Nay, more, I doubt it not. Wife, go you to her ere you go to bed. Acquaint her here of my son Paris, love, and bid her mark you me on Wednesday next. What soft, what day is this? Monday, my lord. Monday? Huh. Well, Wednesday is too soon. A Thursday, let it be. Thursday, tell her she shall be married to this noble earl. Will you be ready? Do you like this haste? Uh, we'll keep no great ado. A, a friend or two. For hark you, Tybalt being slain so late, it may be thought we held him carelessly, being our kinsman, if we revel much. Therefore, we'll have some half a dozen friends, and there an end. But what say you to Thursday? My lord, I would that Thursday were uh, tomorrow. <laughs> well, get you gone. A Thursday be it, then. Go you to Juliet, ere you go to bed. Prepare her wife against this wedding day. Farewell, my lord. Light uh, to my chamber, ho. Before me, it is so very late we may call it early by and by. Good night. Exunt. Scene five, Capulet's Orchard. Enter Romeo and Juliet above at the window. Wilt thou be gone? It is not yet near day. It was the nightingale and not the lark that pierced the fearful hollow of thine ear. Nightly, she sings on yon pomegranate tree. Believe me, love, it was the nightingale. It was the lark, the herald of the morn, no nightingale. Look, love, what envious streaks do lace the severing clouds in yonder east. Night's candles are burnt out, and jocund day stands tiptoe on the misty mountaintops. I must be gone and live, or stay and die. Yon light is not daylight. I know it. I. It is some meteor 
that the sun exhales to be to thee this night a torchbearer and light thee on thy way to Mantua. Therefore stay yet, thou needst not be gone. Let me be taken then, let me be put to death. I am content, so thou wilt have it. I'll say yon gray, it is not the morning's eye, tis but the pale reflex of Cynthia's brow nor that it is not the lark whose notes do beat the vaulty heaven so high above our heads i have more care to stay than will to go come death and welcome juliet wills it so how is it my soul let's talk it is not day it is no it is hi hence be gone away it is the lark that sings so out of tune straining harsh discords and unpleasing sharps some say the lark makes sweet division. This doth not so, for she divideth us. Some say the lark and loathed toad change eyes. Oh, now I would they had changed voices too. Since arm from arm that voice doth us, doth us affray, hunting thee hence and hunts up to the day. Oh, now be gone. More light and light it grows. More light and light. More dark and dark our woes. Enter nurse to the chamber. Adam. Nurse. Your lady mother is coming to your chamber. The day is broke. Be wary. Look about. Exit. Then window let day in and let life out farewell farewell one kiss and i'll descend he goeth down art thou gone so love lord i husband friend I must hear from thee every day in the hour, for in a minute there are many days. Oh, by this count, I shall be much in years ere, ere I again behold my Romeo. Farewell. I will omit no opportunity that may convey my greetings, love, to thee. Oh, thinkst thou we shall ever meet again? Oh, I doubt it not. And all these woes shall serve for sweet discourses in our time to come. Oh, God. I have an ill-divining soul. Methinks I see thee, how thou art below, and as one dead in the bottom of a tomb. Either my eyesight fails, or thou lookst pale. Trust me, love. In my eye, so do you. Dry sorrow drinks our blood. Adieu. Adieu. Exit. Oh, fortune. Fortune, all men call thee fickle. If thou art fickle, what dost thou with him? It is renowned for faith. Be fickle, fortune, for then I hope thou will not keep him long. But send him back. Oh, daughter, are you up? Uh, who is that calls? 
Is it my lady mother? Uh, is she not down so late or up so early? What, what unaccustomed case cause procures her hither? And your lady Capulet. Why, how now, Juliet? Madam, I am not well. Evermore weeping for your cousin's death? What? Wilt thou wash him from his grave with tears? And if thou couldst, thou couldst not make him live. Therefore, have done. Some grief shows much of love, but much of grief shows still some want of wit. Yet let me weep for such a feeling loss. So shall you feel the loss, but not the friend which you weep for. Feeling so the loss cannot choose but ever weep the friend. Well, girl, thou weepst not so much for his death as that the villain lives which slaughtered him. What villain, madam? That same villain, Romeo. Villain and he be many miles asunder. God pardon him. I do with all my heart. And yet no man like he doth grieve my heart. That is because the traitor murderer lives. I, madam, from the reach of these my hands. Would none but I might venge my cousin's death. Oh, we will have vengeance for it, fear thou not. Then weep no more. I'll send to one in Mantua, where that same banished runagate doth live, shall give him such an unaccustomed dram that he shall soon keep Tybalt company. And then, I hope, thou wilt be satisfied. Indeed. I never shall be satisfied with Romeo till I behold him dead. Is my uh, poor heart for kinsmen vexed? Madam, if you could find out but a man to bear a poison, I would temper it that Romeo should, upon receipt thereof, soon sleep in quiet. Oh, how my heart abhors to hear him named and cannot come to him to wreak the love I bore my cousin upon his body that slaughtered him. Find thou the means and I'll find such a man. But now I'll tell thee joyful tidings, girl. And joy comes well in such a needy time. What are they? I beseech your ladyship. Well, well, thou hast a careful father, child, one who, to put thee from thy heaviness, hath sorted out a sudden day of joy that thou expectest not, nor I looked not for. Madam, in happy time, what day is that? Mary, my child, early next Thursday morn, the gallant young and noble gentleman, the County Paris, at St. Peter's Church, shall happily make thee there a joyful bride. Now by St. Peter's Church and Peter too, he shall not make me there a joyful bride. I wonder at this haste that I must wed ere he that should be husband comes to woo. I pray you tell my lord and father, madam, I will not marry yet. And, and when I do, I swear it shall be Romeo whom you know I hate rather than Paris.
These are news indeed. Well, here comes your father. Tell him so yourself and see how he will take it at your hands. Enter Capulet and nurse. When the sun sets, the air doth drizzle dew. But for the sunset of my brother's son, it rains downright. How now? A conduit, girl. What? Still in tears, evermore showering. In one little body thou counterfeitst a bark at sea, a wind. For still thy eyes, which I may call the sea, do ebb and flow with tears. The bark thy body is, sailing in this salt flood, the winds thy sighs raging with thy tears and they with them without a sudden calm will overset thy tempest tossed body how now wife have you delivered to her our decree i sir but she will none she gives you thanks <laughs> i would the fool were married to her grave soft take me with you take me with you wife how Will she none? Doth she not give us thanks? Is she not proud? Doth she not count her blessed, unworthy as she is, that we have wrought so worthy a gentleman to be her bridegroom? Not proud. You have, but thankful that you have. Proud can I never be of what I hate, but thankful even for hate, that is meant love. How now? How now, chop logic? What is this? Proud, and I thank you, and I thank you not, and yet not proud? Mistress Minion, you thank me no thankings, nor proud me no prouds, but fettle your fine joints against Thursday next to go with Paris to St. Peter's Church, or I will drag thee on a hurdle thither. Out! You green sickness carrion, out, you baggage, you tallow face. Fie, fie, what, are you mad? Good father, I beseech you on my knees, hear me with patience but to speak a word. Hang thee, young baggage, disobedient wretch. I tell thee what, get thee to church a Thursday, or never after look me in the face. Speak not, reply not, do not answer me. My fingers itch. Wife, we scarce thought us blessed that God had lent us, but this only child, by now I see this one is one too much, and that we have a curse in having her out on her hilding. God in heaven bless her. You're to blame, my lord, to rate her so. And why, my lady wisdom, hold your tongue, good prudence, smatter with your gossips, go. I speak no treason. Oh, God, you got in. May not one speak. Peace, you mumbling fool. Utter your gravity or a gossip's bowl, for here we need it not. You are too hot. God's bread, it makes me mad. Day, night, hour, tide, time, work, play, alone, in company. Still my care hath been to have her matched. And having now provided a gentleman of noble parentage, a fair domain, useful and nobly trained, stuffed, as they say, with honorable parts, 
proportioned as one's thoughts would wish a man, and then to have a wretched, puling fool, a whining mammoth in her fortune's tender to answer, I'll not wed, I cannot love, I am too young, I pray you pardon me, but as you will not wed, I'll pardon you. Graze where you will, you shall not house with me. Look to it. I do not use to jest. Thursday is near. Lay hand on heart, advise. And you be mine, I'll give you to my friend. And you be not, hang, beg, starve, die in the streets. For by my soul, I'll ne'er acknowledge thee. Nor what is mine shall ne'er do thee good. Trust not, trust to it, bethink you. I'll not be forsworn. Exit. There no pity sitting in the clouds that seize into the bottom of my grief. Sweet mother, cast me not away. Delayed this marriage for a month, a week. Or if you, you do not make the bridal bed in that dim monument where Tybalt lies. Talk not to me, for I'll not speak a word. Do as thou wilt, I have done with thee. Oh, God. Oh, nurse. How shall this be prevented? My husband is on earth, my faith in heaven. How shall that faith return again to earth unless that husband send it me from heaven? Am I leaving earth? Comfort me, counsel me. Alack, alack that heaven should practice stratagems upon so soft a subject as myself. I, what sayest thou? Hast thou not a word of joy? Some comfort, nurse? Faith, here it is. Romeo is banished and all the world to nothing that he dares ne'er come back to challenge you. Or if he do, it needs must be by stealth. Then since the case now stands as now it doth, I think it best you married the county. Oh, he is a lovely gentleman. Romeo's a dishclout to him. An eagle, madam, hath not so green, so quick, so fair an eye as Paris hath. Beshrew my very heart, I think you are happy in the second match, for it excels your first, or if it did not, your first is dead. Or t'were as good he were as living here, and you no use of him. Speaks thou from thy heart? And from my soul, too, or else beshrew them both. Amen. What? Oh. Thou hast comforted me marvelous much. Go in, tell my lady I am gone, having displeased my father to Lawrence's cell to make confession and to be absolved. Mary, I will. And this is wisely done. Exit. 
ancient damnation. Oh, most wicked fiend. Is it more sin to wish me from thus forsworn? Or is it to dispraise my lord with that same tongue, which she hath praised him with above compare so many thousand times? Oh, go, counselor. Thou and my bosom henceforth shall be twain. I'll do the friar to know his remedy. If all else fail, myself have power to die. Exit. Act four, scene one, Friar Lawrence's cell. Enter Friar Lawrence in Paris. On Thursday, sir, the time is very short. My father Capulet will have it so, and and I am nothing to to slow, to, to slack his haste. You say you do not know the lady's mind? Uneven is the course. I like it not. Immoderately she weeps for Tybalt's death, and therefore have I little talked of love, for Venus smiles not in a house of tears. Now, sir, her father counts it dangerous that she doth give her sorrow so much sway, and in his wisdom hastes our marriage to stop the inundation of her tears, which too much minded by herself alone may be put from her by society. Now, do you know the reason of this haste? I would I knew not why it should be slowed. Look, sir, here comes the lady towards my cell. Enter Juliet. Happily met my lady and my wife. That may be, sir, uh, when I may be a wife. That may be, must be, love, on... Thursday next. What must be, shall be. That's a certain text. Come you to take, make confession to this father. To answer that, I should confess to you. Do not deny to him that you love me. I will confess to you that I love him. So will ye. I am sure that you love me. If I do so... Uh, it will be of more price being spoke behind your back than to your face. Poor soul, thy face is much abused with tears. The tears have got small victory by that, for it was bad enough before their spite. Thou wrongst it more than tears with that report. That is no slander, sir, which is the truth. And what I spake, I spake it to my face. Thy face is mine, and thou hast slandered it. It may be so, for it is not mine own. Are you at leisure, Holy Father, now, to, or shall I come to you at evening mass? My leisure serves me, pensive daughter, now. My lord, we must entreat the time alone. Oh, God, shield, I should disturb devotion. Juliet. On Thursday early will I rouse ye. Till then, adieu, and keep this holy kiss. Exit. Oh, shut the door, and when, hast, when thou hast done so, come weep with me past hope, past cure, past help. Ah, Juliet, I already know thy grief. It strains me past the compass of my wits. I hear thou must, and nothing may prorogue it, on Thursday next, be married to this county. 
Tell me not, friar, that thou hearst of this, unless thou tell me how I may prevent it. If in thy wisdom thou can give no help, do thou but call my resolution wise, and with this knife I'll help present it presently. God joined my heart and Romeo's, though our hands and ear this hand by thee to Romeo sealed shall be the label to another deed or my true heart with treacherous revolt turn to another this shall slay them both therefore out of thy long experienced time give me some present counsel or behold twixt my extremes and me this bloody knife shall play the umpire arbitrating that which the commission of thy years and art could to no issue of true honor bring, be not so long to speak. I long to die. If what thou speak'st speak not of remedy. Hold, daughter, I do spy a kind of hope which craves as desperate an execution as that is desperate which we would prevent. If, rather than to marry County Paris, Thou hast the strength of will to slay thyself. Then it is likely thou wilt undertake a thing like death to chide away this shame that copes with death himself to scape from it. And if thou darest, I'll give thee remedy. Oh, bid me leap rather than marry Paris from off the battlements of yon tower or, or walk in thievish ways or bid me lurk where serpents are chain me with roaring bears or shut me nightly in a charnel house or covered quite with dead men's rattling bones with reeky shanks and yellow chapless skulls or bid me go into a new-made grave and hide me with a dead man in his shroud things that to hear them told have made me tremble and i will do it without fear or doubt to live an unstained wife to my sweet love Hold then, go home, be merry, give consent to marry Paris. Wednesday is tomorrow. Tomorrow night, look that thou lie alone. Let not thy nurse lie with thee in thy chamber. Take thou this vial. Being then in bed, and this distilled liquor drink thou off. When presently through all thy veins shall run a cold and drowsy humour, for no pulse shall keep his native progress, but surcease. No warmth, no breath shall testify thou livest. The roses in thy lips and cheeks shall fade to paley ashes. Thy eyes' windows fall like death when he shuts up the day of life. Each part, deprived of supple government, shall stiff and stark and cold appear like death. And in this borrowed likeness of shrunk death, thou shalt continue two and forty hours, and then awake as from a pleasant sleep. Now, when the bridegroom in the morning comes to rouse thee from thy bed, there art thou dead. Then, as the manner of our country is, in thy best robes uncovered on the bier, thou shalt be borne to that same ancient vault where all the kindred of the Capulets lie. In the meantime, against thou shalt awake, shall Romeo by my letters know our drift, and hither shall he come. And he and I will watch thy waking, 
and that very night shall Romeo bear thee hence to Mantua, and this shall free thee from this present shame. If no inconstant toy nor womanish fear abate thy valor in the acting it. Oh, give me! Oh, give me! Oh, tell me not of fear. Hold, get you gone. Be strong and prosperous in this resolve. I'll send a friar with speed to Mantua with my letters to thy lord. Love, give me strength, and strength shall help afford. Farewell, dear father. Exeunt. Scene two, a hall in Capulet's house. Enter Capulet, Lady Capulet, nurse, and two serving men. So many guests uh, invite as here are writ. Exit no servant. Thera, go hire me twenty cunning cooks. You shall have none ill, sir, for I'll try if they can lick their fingers. How canst thou try them so? Mary, sir, tis an ill cook that cannot lick his own fingers. Therefore he that cannot lick his fingers goes not with me. Go, be gone. We shall be much unfurnished for this time. What, is my daughter gone to Friar Lawrence? Aye, forsooth. Well, he may chance to do some good on her. A peevish, self-willed harlotry it is. See where she comes from shrift with merry look. Enter Juliet. How now, my headstrong? Where have you been gadding? Where I have learned me to repent the sin of disobedient opposition to you and your behests, and am enjoined by Holy Lawrence to fall prostrate here and beg your pardon. Pardon, I beseech you. Henceforth, I am ever ruled by you. Send for the county. Go tell him of this. I'll have this not knit up tomorrow morning. I met the youthful lord at Lawrence's cell and gave him what becomes love I might, not step o'er the bounds of modesty. Why, I am glad on This is well. Stand up. This is as it should be. Let me see the county. Aye, Mary, go, I say, and fetch him hither. Now, afore God, this reverend holy friar, our whole city is much bound to him. Nurse, uh, will you go with me into my closet to help me sort such needful ornaments as you think fit to furnish me tomorrow? No, not till Thursday. There is time enough. Go, nurse, go with her. We'll to church tomorrow. Exit Juliet and nurse. We shall be short in our provision. Tis now near night. No, Tosh, I will stir about, and all things shall be well. I warrant thee, wife. Go thou to Juliet, help to deck her up. I'll not to bed tonight. Let me alone. I'll play the housewife for this once. What ho! They are all forth. Hmm. Well, I will walk myself to County Paris to prepare him up against tomorrow. My heart is wondrous light since this same wayward girl is so reclaimed. Exeunt. Scene three, Juliet's chamber. Enter Juliet and nurse. Aye, those, those attires are best, but gentle nurse, I pray thee, leave me to myself tonight, for I have need of many horizons to move the heavens to smile upon my state which well thou knowest is cross and full of sin. Enter Lady Capulet. What? Are you busy? Ho, need you my help? No, madam. We have called such necessities as are 
but hopeful for our state tomorrow. So please you, let me now be left alone and let the nurse this night sit up with you for I am sure you have your hands full all in this so sudden business. Good night. Get thee to bed and rest for thou hast need. Exempt Lady Capulet and nurse. Farewell. God knows when we shall meet again. I have a faint, cold fear thrills through my veins, and that almost freezes up the heat of life. I'll call them back again to comfort me. Nurse? No. What should, what should she do here? Oh, my dismal scene, I needs must act alone. Come, vile. What if this mixture did not work at all? Shall I be married tomorrow morning? No. No. This shall forbid it. Thou lie there. What if it be a poison which the friar hath subtly hath ministered to have me dead? Lest in this marriage he should be dishonored because he married me before to Romeo. I fear it is. And yet methinks it should not, for he hath still been tried a holy man. How if, when I am laid into the tomb, I wake before the time that Romeo come to redeem me? Oh, there's a fearful point. Shall I not then be stifled in the vault to whose foul mouth no healthsome air breathes in? And there die, strangled, ere my Romeo comes in. Or if I live... It is not very like the horrible conceit of death and night together with the terror of the place, as in a vault, an ancient receptacle where for these many hundred years the bones of all my buried ancestors are packed, are bloody tibbled, yet but green in earth lies festering in a shroud where, or as they say, some hours in the night spirits resort. Oh, heck. Alack, it is not like that I, so early waking, with the loathsome smells and, and shrieks like mandrakes torn out of the earth, that living mortals hearing them run mad. Oh, if I wake, shall I not be distraught, environed with all these hideous fears, and madly play with my forefather's joints, and pluck the mangled tibble from his shroud? And in this rage with some great kinsman's bone, as with a club, dash out my desperate brains. Oh, look. He thinks I see my cousin's ghost. Seeking out Romeo that did spit his body upon a rapier's point. Stay, Tybalt, stay. Romeo, I come. This I do drink to thee. She falls upon her bed within the curtains. In four, Hall and Capulet's house. Enter Capulet, three or four serving men with spits, logs, and baskets. Now, fellow, what's there? Things for the cook, sir, but I know what not, not what. Make haste, make haste! Exit first servant. Syrup, fetch drier logs. Call Peter, he'll show you where they are. I have a head, sir, that will find out logs and never trouble Peter, Peter for that matter. 
Exit. <laughs> well said. A merry horse, and ha! Thou shalt be a loggerhead. Good faith. Oh, tis day. The county will be uh, the county will be here with music straight, for so he said he would. I hear him near. Music within. Nurse! Wife! What ho! What? Nurse, I say. Enter nurse. Go, waken Juliet. Go and trim her up. I'll go and chat with Paris. Hi, make haste, make haste. The bridegroom, he has come already. Make haste, I say. Exunt, scene five, Juliet's chamber. Enter nurse. Mistress. What mistress? Juliet. <sighs> Fast, I warn her, she. Why, lamb? Why, lady? Fie, you slug a bed. Why, love, I say? Madam? Sweetheart? Why, bride? What, not a word? You take your pennyworths now. Sleep for a week. For the next night, I warrant the county parish hath set up his rest, that you shall rest but little. God for Mary, forgive me, Mary, and amen. How sound asleep is she? I must needs wake her. Madam. 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 I let the county take you in your bed. He'll fright you up of faith, will it not be? And draws the curtains. What, dressed? And in your clothes? And down again? I must needs wake you. Lady. Lady. La lady. Alas. Alas, help. Help. My lady is dead. Oh, well, a day that ever I was born. So aqua vitae, ho, my lord, my lady. Enter Lady Capulet. What noise is here? Oh, lamentable day. What is the matter? Look, look, oh, heavy day. Oh, me. Oh, me. My child, my only life. Revive, look up, or I will die with thee. Help! Help! Call help! Intercapulate. For shame, <clears throat> bring Juliet forth. Her lord is come. She's dead. Deceased, she's dead. Alack the day. Alack the day. She's dead. She's dead. She's dead! <sighs> Let me see her. Out. Alas, she's cold. Her blood is settled and her joints are stiff. Life and these lips have long been separated. Death lies on her like an untimely frost upon the sweetest flower of all the field. <laughs> Death that hath ta'en her hence to make me wail ties up my tongue and will not let me speak. Enter Friar Lawrence in Paris with musicians. Come, is the bride ready to go to church? 
ready to go, but never to return. O oh, son, the night before thy wedding day hath death lain with thy wife. There she lies, flower as she was, deflowered by him. Death is my son-in-law, death is my heir. My daughter he hath wedded. I will die and leave him all life, living all is deaths. Have I thought long to see this morning's face? And doth it give me such a, a sight as this? Cursed, unhappy, wretched, hateful day. Most miserable hour that time saw in lasting labor of his pilgrimage. But one, poor one, one poor and loving child, but one thing to rejoice and solace in and cruel death hath catched it from my sight. <laughs> oh, woe. Oh, woeful, woeful, woeful day. Most lamentable day, most woeful day that ever, ever I did yet behold. Oh, day. Oh, day. Oh, day. Oh, hateful day. Never was seen so black a day as this. A woeful day. A woeful day. Beguiled. Divorced, wronged, spited, slain. Most detestable death by thee, beguiled, by, by cruel, cruel thee, quite overthrown. Oh, love. Oh, life. Not life. But love in death. Despised, distressed, hated, martyred, killed. Uncomfortable time. Why camest thou now to murder? Murder our solemnity. Oh, child. Oh, child. My soul and not my child. Dead art thou. Alack, my child is dead. And with my child, my joys are buried. Peace, ho, oh, for shame. Confusion's cure lives not in these confusions. Heaven and yourself had part in this fair maid. Now heaven hath all, and all the better is it for the maid. Your part in her you could not keep from death. But heaven keeps his part in eternal life. The most you sought was her promotion, For twas your heaven she should be advanced, And weep ye now, seeing she is advanced above the clouds, As high as heaven itself. Oh, in this love you love your child so ill That you run mad, seeing that she is well. She's not well married that lives married long, but she's best married that dies married young. Dry up your tears, and stick your rosemary on this fair course, and as the custom is in all her best array, bear her to church. For though fond nature bids us and lament, yet nature's tears are reason's merriment. All things that we ordained festival turned from their office to black funeral. Our instruments to melancholy bells, 
our wedding cheer to sad burial feast, our solemn hymns to sullen dirges change, our bridal flowers serve for a buried course, and all things change them to the contrary. Sir, go you in, and madam, go with him, and go, Sir Paris, every one prepare to follow this fair course unto her grave. The heavens do lower upon you for some ill. Move them no more by crossing their high will. Exempt Capulet, Lady Capulet, Paris, and Friar Lawrence. Faith, we may put up our pipes and be gone. Honest good fellows. Put up. Put up for well, you know, this is a pitiful case. Exempt. Act five, scene one, Mantua, a street, enter Romeo. If I may trust the flattering truth of speak, my dreams presage some joyful news at hand. My bosom's lord sits slightly in his throne, and all this day an unaccustomed spirit lifts me from above the ground with cheerful thoughts. I dreamt my lady came and found me dead. Strange dream that gives a dead man leave to think, and breathed such life with kisses in my lips that I revived and was an emperor. Love me. How sweet is love itself possessed, and but love's shadows are so rich in joy. Enter Balthazar, booted. News from Verona. How now, Balthazar? Does thou not bring me letters from the friar? How doth my lady? Is my father well? How fares my Juliet? That I ask again, for nothing can be ill if she be well. Then she is well and nothing can be ill. Her body lies in Capitol's monument and her immortal part with angels lives. I saw her laid low in her kindred's vault and presently took post to tell it you, oh, Pardon me for bringing these ill news, since you did leave it for my office, sir. Is it even so? Then I defy you, stars. Thou knowest my lodging. Get me ink and paper and hire post horses. I will hence tonight. I do beseech you, sir. Have patience. Your looks are pale and wild and do import some misadventure. Tush, thou art deceived. Leave me and do the thing I bid thee do. So no letters from the friar. No, my good lord. No matter. Get thee gone and hire those horses. I'll be with thee straight. Exit Balthazar. Oh, Juliet. I will lie with thee tonight. See for means of mischief. Thou art swift. Tender the thoughts of desperate men. I do remember an apothecary. And hereabout he dwells, which late I noted in tattered weeds with overwhelming brows. Calling of simples meager were his looks. 
Sharp misery had worn him to the bone, and his needy shop a tortoise hung, and alligators stuffed into other skins of ill-shaped fishes, and about his shelves a beggarly amount of empty boxes. Green earthen pots, bladders, musty seeds, remnants of pack thread, and old cakes of roses were thinly scattered to make up a show, noting this penury. To myself, I said, and if a man did need a poison now, whose sale is present death in Mantua, here lives a caitiff wretch would sell it to him. <laughs> same thought did but forerun my need, and this same needy man must sell it me. I remember this should be the house. Being holiday, this beggar's shop is shut. But ho, apothecary. Who calls so loud? Come hither, man. Enter apothecary. I see thou art poor. Hold, there is forty ducats. Let me have a dram of poison, such soon-speeding gear as will disperse itself through all the veins, that the life-weary taker may fall dead, and that the trunk may be discharged of breath as violently as hasty powder fired, doth hurry from the fatal cannon's womb. Such mortal drugs I have, but Manchua's law is death to any he that utters them. Art thou so bare? and full of wretchedness, and fierce to die. Famine is in thy cheeks. Need and oppression starveth in thine eyes. Contempt and beggary hangs upon thy back. The world is not thy friend, nor the world's law. The world affords no law to make thee rich, then be not poor, but break it and take this. My poverty, but not my will consents. I pay thy poverty, and not thy will. Put this in any liquid thing you will, and drink it off. And if you had the strength of twenty men, it would dispatch you straight. There is thy gold. First poison to men's souls, doing more murders in this loathsome world than these compounds that thou mayest not sell. I sell thee poison, thou hast sold me none. Farewell, buy food and get thyself in flesh. Come, cordial and not poison, go with me. To Juliet's grave, for thee must I use thee. Exempt. Scene two, Friar Lawrence's cell, enter Friar John. Holy Franciscan Friar, brother, ho! Enter Friar Lawrence. I'm sorry, my thing just went to full screen and I can't see my script. There we go. Ah, this same should be the voice of Friar John. Welcome from Mantua. What says Romeo? Or if his mind be writ, give me his letter. Uh, going to find a barefoot... Brother out, one of our order, to associate me here in this city, giving visiting the sick and finding him, the searchers of the town, suspecting that we were both were in a house where the infectious pestilence did reign, sealed up the doors and would not let us forth, so that my speed to Mantua there was stayed. Who bear my letter, then, to Romeo? Oh, I could not send it. Here it is again. 
nor get a messenger to bring it thee, so fearful were they of infection. Unhappy fortune. By my brotherhood, the letter was not nice, but full of charge of dear import. And the neglecting of it may do much danger. Friar John, go hence. Get me an iron crow and bring it straight unto my cell. Brother, I'll go and bring it thee. Now must I to the monument alone. Within three hours will fair Juliet wake. She will beshrew me much that Romeo hath had no notice of these accidents. But I will write again to Mantua, and keep her at my cell till Romeo come. Oh, poor living corse, closed in a dead man's tomb. Exit. Scene three, a churchyard. In it, a tomb belonging to the Capulets. Enter Paris and his page bearing flowers and a torch. Give me thy torch, boy, and stand aloof. Yet, yet uh, put it out, for I would not be seen. Under yond yew trees lay thee all along, holding thine ear close to the hollow ground. So shall no foot upon the churchyard tread, being loose, unfirm with digging up of graves. But thou shalt hear it. Whistle then to me as a signal that thou hearest something approach. Uh, give me those flowers. Do as I bid thee. Go. I am almost afraid to stand alone here in the churchyard, yet I will adventure. Retires. Sweet flower, with flowers thy bridal bed I strew. Oh. Whoa. My canopy is dust and stones, which with sweet water nightly I will do, or wanting that with tears distilled by moans, the obsequies that I for thee will keep nightly shall be to strew thy grave and weep. The boy gives warning, something doth approach. What cursed foot wanders this way tonight to cross my obsequies and true lover's right? What with a torch? Muffle me, knight, a while. Retires. Enter Romeo and Balthazar with a torch, mattock, and company. Give me that mattock and the wrenching iron. Hold. Take this letter. Early in the morning, see thou deliver it to my lord and father. Give me the light. Upon thy life I charge thee, whate'er thou hearest or seest, stand all aloof, and do not interrupt me in my course. I, I descend into this bed of death is partly to behold my lady's face, but chiefly to take thence from her dead finger a precious ring, a ring that I must use in dear employment, therefore hence be gone. But if thou, jealous, dost return to pry in what I further shall intend to do, by heaven I will tear thee, joint by joint, and strew this hungry churchyard with thy limbs. The time and my intents are savage, wild, more fierce and more inexorable far than empty tigers on the roaring sea. I will be gone, sir, and not trouble you. So shalt thou show me friendship. Take thou that. Live and be prosperous. And farewell, good fellow. 
for all the same I'll hide me here about. His looks I fear, and his intents I doubt. Tires. Thou detestable maw. Thou womb of death gorged with the dearest morsel of the earth. Thus I enforce thy rotten jaws to open, and in despite I'll cram thee with more food. This is that banished haughty Montague that murdered my love's cousin with, with grief. It is supposed the fair creature died. And here is come to do some villainous shame to the dead bodies. I, I will apprehend him. Comes forward. Stop! Thy unhallowed toll, vile Montague, can vengeance be pursued further than death? Condemned villain, I do apprehend thee. Obey and go with me, for thou must die. I must indeed. And therefore came I hither, good gentle youth, tempt not a desperate man. Fly hence and leave me, think upon these gone, let them fright thee. I beseech thee, put not another sin upon my head by urging me to fury. Oh, be gone! By heaven, I love thee better than myself, for I come hither armed against myself. Say not, be gone. Live, and hereafter say, a madman's mercy bade thee run away. I do defy thy conjurations and apprehend thee for a felon here. Wilt thou provoke me? Then have added, boy. They fight. Oh, Lord, they fight. I will go to call the watch. Exit. Oh. Oh, I am slain. False. He dies. In faith, I will. Let me peruse this face. Hercutius kinsman, noble county, Paris. What said my man when my batossed soul did not attend him as we rode? I think he told me Paris should have married Juliet. Said he not so? Or did I dream it so? Or Am I mad hearing him talk of Juliet to think it was so? Oh, give me thy hand, one writ with in sour misfortune's book. I'll bury thee in a triumphant grave. <laughs> a grave? Oh, no. A lantern-slaughtered youth, for here lies Juliet. And her beauty, this vault of feasting presence full of light. Death lie thou there, by a dead man interred. Laying Paris in the tomb. How oft, when men are at the point of death, have they been merry? <laughs> Which their keepers call a lightning before death. Oh, how may I call this a lightning? Oh, my love, my wife. Death that hath sucked the honey of thy breath hath not yet power upon thy beauty. Thou art not conquered. Beauty's ensign is crimson in thy lips and in thy cheeks. And death's pale flag is not advanced there. Tybalt, 
Liest thou there in that bloody sheet? Well, what more favor can I do to thee than with the hand that cut thy youth in twain to sunder his that was thine enemy? Forgive me, cousin. Not Juliet. Why art thou yet so fair? Should I believe that unsubstantial death is amorous, and that the lean abhorred monster keeps thee here in dark to be his paramour? For fear of that, I will stay with thee, and never from this place of dim night depart again. Here, here I will remain. With worms that are thy chambermaids, oh, here will I set up everlasting rest and shake the yoke of inauspicious stars from this world wearied of flesh. Eyes, look your last. Arms, take your last embrace and lips, oh, you, the doors of breath. Seal with a righteous kiss, a dateless bargain to engrossing death. Come, bitter conduct. Come, unsavory guide, thou desperate pilot. Now at once run on the dashing rocks, thy sick, seasick, weary bark. Here's to my love. True apothecary. The drugs are quick. Us with a kiss, I die. Guys, enter the other end of the churchyard, Friar Lawrence, with a lantern, crow, and spade. Oh, Saint Francis, be my speed! How oft tonight have my old feet stumbled at graves? Who's there? Here's one, a friend, and one that knows you well. Bliss be upon you. Tell me, good my friend, what torch is yond that vainly lends its light to grubs and eyeless skulls? As I discern, it burneth in the Capel's monument? It does, sir. And there's my master, one that you love. Who is it? Romeo. How long have you been there? Full half an hour. Go with me to the vault. I dare not, sir. My master knows not but that I am gone hence, and fearfully did menace me with death if I stayed on to look on his intents. Stay then, I'll go on alone. Fear comes upon me. Oh, much I fear some ill unlucky thing. As I did sleep under this yew tree here, I dreamt my master and another fought, and that my master slew him. Romeo! Francis. Alack. Alack, what blood is this which stains the stony entrance of this sepulchre? What mean these masterless and gory swords to lie discolored in this place of peace? Enters the tomb. Romeo! Oh, pale! Who else? What Paris, too, and steeped in blood? Oh, what an unkind hour is guilty of this lamentable chance! The lady stirs. Juliet wakes. Oh, 
comfortable friar. Where's my lord? I do remember well where I should be, and there I am. Where's my Romeo? Noise within. I hear some noise. Lady, come from that nest of death, contagion, and unnatural sleep. A greater power than we can contradict hath thwarted our intents. Come, come away. Thy husband in thy bosom there lies dead. And Paris too. Come, I'll dispose of thee among a sisterhood of holy nuns. Stay not to question, for the watch is coming. Come, go, good Juliet. Noise again. I dare no longer stay. Go. Get thee hence. For I will not away. Exit Friar Lawrence. What's here? A cup? Closed in my true love's hand? (laughs) Poison, I see, hath been his timeless end. Cheryl? Drunk all and left no friendly drop to help me after? I'll kiss thy lips. Haply some poison yet doth hang on them to make die with a restorative. She kisses him. Oh, thy lips are warm. Lead boy, which way? Yay, noise. And I'll be brief. Oh, happy dagger. This not is Romeo's dagger. This is thy sheath. Arrest and let me die. Falls on Romeo's body and dies. Enter watch with the page of Paris. This is the place there where the torch doth burn. The ground is bloody. Search about the churchyard. Go, some of you, whoever you find attached. Pitiful sight. Here lies the county slain and Juliet bleeding, warm and newly dead, who here hath lain these two days buried? Go tell the prince, run to the Capulets, raise up the Montagues, some other search. We see the ground whereon these woes do lie, but the true ground of all these piteous woes we cannot without circumstance descry. Re-enter some of the watch with Balthazar. Here's Romeo's man. We found him in the churchyard. Hold him in safety till the prince come hither. Re-enter others of the watch with Friar Lawrence. Here is a friar that trembles, sighs, and weeps. We took this mattock and this spade from him as he was coming from this churchyard side. Great suspicion. Stay the friar, too. Enter the prince in attendance. What misadventure is so early up that calls our person from our morning's rest? Enter Capulet, Lady Capulet, and others. What should it be that they so shriek abroad? People in the street cry Romeo, some Juliet, and some Paris, and all run with open outcry toward our monument. What fear is this which startles in our ears? Sovereign, here lies the county Paris slain, and Romeo dead, and Juliet dead before, warm and new killed. Search, seek, and know how this foul murder comes. Here is a friar and slaughtered Romeo's man, with instruments upon them fit to open these dead men's tombs. Oh, heavens. Oh, wife, look how our daughter bleeds. This dagger hath mistaken 
for lo, his house is empty on the back of Montague, and is missheathed in my daughter's bosom. Oh, me. This sight of death is as a bell that warns my old age to a sepulchre. Enter Montague and others. Come, Montague, for thou art early up to see thy son and heir more early down. Alas, my liege, my wife is dead tonight. Grief of my son's exile hath stopped her breath. What further woe conspires against mine age? Look, and thou shalt see. O thou untaught, what manners is in this? To press before thy father to a grave? Feel up the mouth of outrage for a while, till we can clear these ambiguities and know their spring, their head, their true descent, and then will I be general of your woes and lead you even to death. In time forbear, and let mischance be slave to patience. Bring forth the parties of suspicion, I am the greatest, able to do the least, yet most suspected, as the time and place doth make against me of this direful murder. And here I stand, both to impeach and purge myself condemned and myself excused. Then say at once what thou dost know in this. I will be brief, for my short date of breath is not so long as is a tedious tale. Romeo, there dead, was husband to that Juliet, and she, there dead, that Romeo's faithful wife. I married them, and their stolen marriage day was Tybalt's doomsday, whose untimely death banished the new-made bridegroom from the city, for whom, and not for Tybalt, Juliet pined. You, to remove that siege of grief from her, betrothed and would have married her perforce to County Paris. Then comes she to me, and with wild looks bid me devise some mean to rid her from the second marriage, or in my cell there would she kill herself. Then I gave her, so tutored in my art, a sleeping potion, which so took effect as I intended for it wrought on her the form of death. Meantime, I writ to Romeo that he should hither come as this dire knight to help take her from this borrowed grave, being the time the, por the potion's force should cease. But he which bore my letter, Friar John, was stayed by accident, and yesternight returned my letter back. Then... All alone, at the prefixed hour of her waking, came I to take her from her kindred's vault, meaning to keep her closely at my cell till I conveniently could send to Romeo. But when I came, some minute ere the time of her awakening, here untimely lay the noble Paris and true Romeo dead. She wakes, and I entreated her come forth, and bear this work of heaven with patience. But then a noise did scare me from the tomb, and she, too desperate, would not go with me, 
but as it seems, did violence on herself. All this I know, and to the marriage her nurse is privy. And if aught in this miscarried by my fault, let my old life be sacrificed some hour before his time unto the rigor of severest law. We still have known thee for a holy man. Where's Romeo's man? What can he say in this? I brought my master news of Juliet's death. And then in post, he came from Mantua to the same place, to the same monument. This letter he early bid me give his father and threatened me with death going in the vault. I departed not and left him there. Give me the letter. I will look on it. Where is the county's page that raised the watch? Sarah, what made your master in this place? He came with flowers to strew his lady's grave and bid me stand aloof. And so I did. Anon comes one with light to open the tomb and by and by my master drew on him. Then I ran away to call the watch. This letter doth make good the friar's words. The course of love, uh, tidings of her death. And here he writes that he did buy a poison of a poor apothecary, and therewithal came to this vault to die and lie with Juliet. Where be these enemies? Capulet, Montague, see what a scourge is laid upon your hate, that heaven finds means to kill your joys with love. And I, for winking at your discords too, have lost a brace of kinsmen. All are punished. Oh, Brother Montague, give me thy hand. This is my daughter's jointure, for no more can I demand. But I can give thee more. For I will raise her statue in pure gold, that while Verona by that name is known, there shall no figure at such rate be set as that of true and faithful Juliet. Rich shall Romeo's by his ladies lie. Poor sacrifices of our enmity. A glooming peace this morning with it brings. The sun for sorrow will not show his head. Go hence to have more talk of these sad things. Some shall be pardoned and some punished. For never was a story of more woe than this of Juliet and her Romeo. Thank you.